Hi, it's Karen Shaw with you, and you're listening to Australian Survivor Archives. podcast going over the complete history of Australian Survivor from Whaler's Way right through to the current day. Now, we have had some great guests this season. We have spoken to basically everyone that we can who has played Season 1 of Australian Survivor Archives of Australian Survivor. They haven't played our show. They've played the actual show Australian Survivor. But there's one person that we haven't spoken to. Some people are wondering, well, why didn't you speak to that person when you did that episode that they recapped? Well, we wanted to do something special. We thought, bugger convention, bugger how you think we're going to do it. We're going to save one to the very end to make it special. I want to say we saved the best for last, and that's what we're doing today. And I'm very excited that that is exactly who we're going to be speaking to today. My name is Ben Waterworth. I'm going to hand over to my co-host because he is going to get even more pumped up and excited than I am right now for this interview. Hi, Ben. Hi, listeners. As you know, my name's Matt Dyson. And Ben, you better be excited because I'm even more excited than you. I've actually met this Survivor player in the past, about 18 years ago, mind you. But uh, it's the only Australian Survivor Season 1 player I've actually met in person. She lasted 21 days. She finished in 10th position. She made the merge, so she made Aurora Tribe, but unfortunately was voted out before she got to to, uh, be on the jury. Of course, I speak of the one and only Miss Karen Shaw. Karen, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Hi, Matt. Thanks. Hey, Ben. How are you? We good are to see good. some enthusiasm, by the way, guys. Well, I, I'm, I'm enthusiastic. We're, it's, it's a pumped up day. We're excited. We, we've got you on the show. This is great. Like, I mean, who really cares about the Katies and the Sophies and all those people, the Shonas? <laughs> I mean, right. oh, good for them. They made it to the end. You made it to the yep. merge and were voted out before the jury. That's what we care about, Karen. That's why we've saved you to last. <laughs> it's always worth waiting for. Absolutely. I get to tell all the stories that no one else knows about yet. And that's exactly why, Karen, we want to we really wanted to get you on the show because, you know, I think one thing Ben and I have talked a lot about during this season of recapping season one is uh I don't think we got to see the full potential on screen of yourself. We I'd say that you probably got a lesser edit than some of the other players. And we don't know why, because you seem like a you know, a very enthusiastic fun person and I don't know whether that was just because Kadena was so bad and kept getting voted out every (laughs) single episode that they just had to focus on more of Tapara but this is what we're here for today Carl we want to hear about your whole journey on Survivor and and your 21 days out there at Whaler's Way. Nice how long have you got? Oh how how long (laughs) do you want to give us? (laughs) (laughs) Warts and all Karen. Craig Abbott's 
went for about yep. three and a half hours. So we got plenty oh, of yes. time. That's Craig, absolutely. That's a record. I have no intention of breaking that. Hi, <laughs> Craig. You're awesome and I love you. Um, <laughs> where do you want to start? Well, the start is always the best part and that, of course, means the beginning. And I would love to find out what drew you into actually applying in the first place. Why, why did you put in that application to appear on Australian Survivor? Yes, because I know Ben um, and Matt really wants to know this because he does strongly feel that I did take his place. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's fair that we do share the story. Yeah. I, a lot of people don't know, or maybe they do now, the, the his, history buffs may, but I was already working in radio and breakfast radio, my co-host, and the Survivor thing, you know, came to town and the hoo-ha on TV and I was playing sport. I never watched it. I was too busy playing beach volleyball or running around doing something else. And one of my friends was absolutely nuts crazy about Survivor and she's like oh my god oh my god have you seen there's auditions and it's coming to Australia and oh my she was so excited I'm just like okay this is interesting and then I happened to mention it on air the next morning hey did you know so you know auditions are coming to town and the lines went crazy you know we've got many many telephone lines coming into the studio and they just lit up every single line people just wanted to know more and more and more about Survivor I no offense to anybody, but I really wasn't interested in it. And but it was a really good topic um, to talk about. And every time, and then we're like, every time we started talking about Survivor, it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And the response from the community, and that's always fun to engage with people. So you know, we interviewed one of the producers. They didn't know who I was. We did all these. Um, asking the locals what would they do, what would their audition tape be, and Matt, I'd like to know what yours was. Um, and I got to, we got to the very end. It was literally the day before the cutoff where you had to send off your audition tape. And I ran into, just by chance, I ran into one of my, um, one of our fans that comes along to all of our radio events who's absolutely gorgeous. And we were talking. She's like, oh, have you sent off your audition tape? Because I pretended I was going to do this and what could we do and what could we put on it? And I'm like, no, Joy, this is just, this is just I wanted to connect with everybody and I wanted to give everybody involved. I've got no intentions of doing this. And she said, Karen, what have you got to lose? What do you mean you're not doing it? She's like, it's a million dollars is at that point. And I kind of looked at her and I went, oh, yeah. So literally that afternoon, I grabbed a friend of mine who could hold a camera and we ran around like crazy to do this audition. And um, yeah, and then so no one knew that I'd actually done it and then I got through it all and yeah, so that was it. But I did act out what it took to be a Territorian. So I think that's what got them in. Well, I was gonna say your audition video, the snippet that uh, I know they sh showed on the audition special beforehand, I think they showed a little bit on the reunion as well. Your wither looks like a water buffalo trying to recreate some Crocodile Dundee <laughs> kind of, uh, you know, goodness. And so that was to you kind of a selling point that, I mean, you are in Darwin, it's kind of showing that sort of landscape and that lifestyle that we all believe everyone in Darwin has. Well, it, it came, there's, a, there's an old, wives tale and that to become a territorian you literally have to you know wrestle a buffalo catch a barramundi do all these crazy things um and you're not a territorian unless you can do that so and when i think about the stuff that we did you know like it jumped off the cliff and going up to that wild buffalo out in the middle of nowhere and just deciding i'm just going to go and play with you 
when you think about how dangerous that is, I'm just like, that's just nuts. It really is crazy. <laughs> they, they could have like broken me in a second. But anyway, we did it. And um, that's how I could prove to become a Territorian. I'm a strong believer that it, sometimes you've just got to be in the right place at the right time for something like this to happen. Now, you're, you're a Brisbane girl, and but you were up in up in Darwin, obviously you are doing radio. How long had you actually been up in Darwin? Well, I was there a lot for seven years, and I think I'd been there for maybe four or five by that point. Yeah, decent amount of time. Yeah, I'm a local. Come on, I still love that one. I still go back nearly every couple of years. I, I did have a laugh because only just a couple of days before recording this interview, I actually the, the crocodile, I haven't seen Crocodile Dundee in oh. in years. And just I flicked the channel on and you wouldn't believe it, that scene came on, the scene that you reenacted for your, and I actually sent the clip to you. I actually quickly recorded this, getting prepped for this interview. It was like it was meant to be as well. But uh, yeah. but yeah, it's, um, so obviously, yeah, I know you're, you're back in Brisbane now, which is great to have another a Brisbane person back in, uh, a Survivor play back in Brisbane. But yeah, I, I really do. I think it's, I'm a strong believer that sometimes to get on these things, you're just right place, right time. Because let's be honest, if you were in Brisbane, it's not like you could have just ran out and find a water buffalo to do to do a video. <laughs> yeah, it would be a different concept than anyway or as well. Do you know, I wanted a point of difference. And I really love the, the Northern Territory and I love Darwin. I've always said if you've never been there or even to the Territory, go to Alice Springs. It's, it's an amazing place to be. It's a, I always call it the land of opportunity. The, the town is so young, you know, like the cyclone in 1974 wiped the whole town out. So you've got new businesses and young governments and there's not old decrepit buildings and those kinds of things. So just being there, I, I really like it. And I, I still have um, a Darwin heart, absolutely. What was it that Daryl Summers used to say? You'll never, never know if you never, never go. Isn't, wasn't that the old slogan in the 90s, <laughs> it's wasn't true. it? It's really true. Yeah, you got it there. Well, how absolutely. Is- how is that then, like, for somebody, okay, you've basically said you've you've thrown in that application last minute. It was more of a radio thing, like you're kind of getting coaxed into it. When you keep getting a letter saying you've made it through the next stage and you get another letter, then a phone call, and then all of a sudden you realise, holy shit, I'm playing Survivor. Do, what makes <laughs> you then accept it if you didn't actually want to do this in the first place? So, well, that's a six-month process. So, and I'm... You know, I like to see what's going to happen. I'm open to adventures. And as each stage came 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 along, and you would know from all your interviews, there's such in-depth questions and psychology and all these things behind it and what are your fears, et cetera. And then when I got the notification, it was literally oh, like four days before my birthday. And I was like, well, that's just my birthday present. Thank you very much. And I just, you know, you just roll with it. It's an opportunity. Who knows what could happen? And yeah, if I didn't do it, then I would regret it. Yeah. Which, I mean, I love that attitude. Six months of hype leading into it as well. It's like, oh, this thing is kind of a big deal. And you're there at the right time too. Like you sort of talking about how crazy that period was and how many callers you were getting. People were obsessed with Survivor. This is peak Survivor when it was the number one show in the world. So you're also going into this thinking, well, the opportunities here because, I mean, this is when reality TV is new. This is when legitimately people are thinking, well, this could create something big for me. It's not kind of like the stable that we know now. So, And being in media too, I can imagine that it's something that as a career you might think, well, this could be a boost for me moving forward. It's really interesting you say that because I actually really make it clear um, to my friends or anyone when they ask that question is that that really wasn't on my agenda. 
and 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 I was really careful for all my interviews that no one knew that I was already working in radio. I didn't. I wanted to get in. Same as when I actually got into into radio. I got into radio because people couldn't see me, and I wanted to be successful for something that I could do, not based on what I look like. And then the same as going survive was the same thing. It's an opportunity, but I wanted to be there as part of my of my own merits. So no one knew, and it wasn't it wasn't that. It was just really like, hey, maybe I can do this. Can I do this? Let's just see what I can do. So what then did people say when you got on and it was kind of like your callers and all these people who had been baiting you and they eventually saw day one, there you are. I mean, were they like, holy crap, we we knew you would get on or like we're glad or, you know, holy crap, you did it, here you are. There, I think it's all of that, all of the above. There, um, Darwin's not a huge place, so you get to know, if you're anyone in media or anything, they know you, they know you really well and they get to know you. Um, and there's that... Uh, Pride as well, you know, representing Northern Territory, part, you know, past the Queensland background. So, yeah, lots of everything, actually. This lady, this this super fan of your radio show that, that got you to do it, she must, her mind must have been blown when she found out that you're actually on the season. <laughs> well, she knows it was because of her that yeah. I actually did it. And I think what an, what an awesome thing to be able to say you haven't had that kind of influence over, over somebody. Do you know, if I hadn't have seen her, it wouldn't have happened. Yeah, and another thing, just from doing from my own experience and, and doing these interviews, it's the, the amount of people that actually end up getting on the show who put their application in at, on like the last day, or I actually put mine in. I was like a week late, and I still and I got on the show. But that that says something too. I just about nearly everyone we've spoken to is they leave it right up until the last second, and then yeah. bang, they they put their they put their application in. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Serendipity, is it? Yeah. That's the word. That's my word for today, by the way. I, I, I like these big words that I, I pretend I know what they mean, Karen, and I'll just I'll look it up later. Did you did you then actually go and find some tapes of the first two US seasons and watch to see what you're getting yourself into? Uh, no, to be truthful. I I remember watching a couple of episodes. And because if I was coming on when I was playing sport on that particular night and I'm up early and doing all kinds of all kinds of stuff, but I watched a couple, maybe two max. And in all of my naivety, I'm just like, oh, I can do that. It's all right. Sure. You can hold your arm out for, I think people don't understand, well, when, you know, for me when I was watching it, they were running up some hills and obstacle things and I was like really fit and healthy. And I was like, oh, yeah, I can do that. Not knowing that you're starving or the footage that lasts for one or two minutes was really three or four hours in real life. But, yeah, but I think that was actually um, um, a good thing for me because that first night when we got there, that was like, oh, my God, this is real. And Eddie Maguire famously <laughs> talked about your uh, not bringing any, uh, I guess, uh, warm clothes. It's even in the official guide. It mentions that you didn't pack any. But, I mean, that I think it was bit out of context there from Eddie because as you mentioned it, nobody brought warm clothes because you all thought you were going to a tropical beach you didn't think you're going to end up in you know South Australia freezing your butts <laughs> off I know and yeah you're right I'm really glad you said that not not everyone packed warm clothes I really did have it in my head though that we'd be somewhere in the Kimberleys maybe Darwin it's just just I, re- I don't know why or even how but I just thought that that was how it's going to be and honestly for me to have warm clothes in Darwin that's a long sleeve shirt like yep. that's it. We don't have jumpers and and thick jackets and closed-in shoes. Even we have, you know, it's interesting. 
Well, we did find out later there was talk that they were considering doing it in Broome because they all, they wanted to do it in Australia. They didn't want to go overseas. They the, the the production budget just didn't allow for an overseas survivor. Uh, they end up settling on Whaler's Way, but maybe Broome, maybe that would have been a bit more suitable for you. You know, it's, uh, it's sort of used to the conditions up there. I dream about Broome. <laughs> um, and I know from even during the show with the producers, they I remember them telling me that it, it was just the worst record in 31 years or something down at Whaler's Way about how bad it was. The year before, that time of year was amazing. So, I mean, I know it wasn't their intention either, but coming from Darwin – and your blood is already thin. People don't understand. You know, it's 35 degrees. When we do the weather, the weather report, we don't even look at it. We already know it's either 31 or 35. Who cares? It's exactly the same. <laughs> the only thing that changes between summer and winter is the humidity. So you, you, you acclimatize and your blood thins out. And I'm cold Normally, I'm cold in Brisbane. People laugh at me. You know, I wanted to get an electric blanket last year. So... <laughs> You know, and then so going from the extreme hot to to me the extreme cold. Oh my god, that was a massive, massive impact on me. It was huge. The thing that I I find unique about your season two, and um, we talked a little bit about this with Jeff when we had him on several weeks ago. Uh, Jeff being from Canberra, you being from Darwin at the time. You know, two small, very parochial cities. I'm from Hobart, and let's bring this up, Matt. I haven't brought this up in a very long time. Never had a Tasmanian contestant on Australian Survivor. Still waiting, but uh, I know. <laughs> having lived and grown up in that city uh you know when we had someone on reality tv it was a big deal we had reggie who of course won the third season of big brother and arguably a huge celebrity in tasmania for a very long time still is to this day i will be honest she's still a very well-known face in tasmania so i can imagine you mentioned before about kind of that that pride of being from the territory you work in in media so i guess maybe it's a little bit heightened because you i guess had to do your day job still at the time what was that like being a representative of of a city like darwin and how did the city did the city get behind you at that point a big time as well um Yes, because it's retrospective. So when you're down there and you're in it, I'm not there going <laughs> when I'm like starving and freezing and wondering what the hell am I doing out in the middle of nowhere. I'm not there going, how, is, how are my Darwin people going to be represented <laughs> at the moment? How can I best put through as much as I can to make them proud of me? Um I think maybe that would have helped if I did think that sometimes because when, when it's tough, you've that there's that mental battle that you're going through all the time. It's a physical and mental and emotional battle. That probably would have helped a little bit to be outside of what I was in. Um, but then then afterwards when the show comes out and then they know that you're in it, uh, it, it was a really, really wonderful feeling to have the local support um, from anyone just where you least expect it. But like, oh, yeah, you're in Survivor, you know, you're the best, blah, blah. It doesn't even matter where you came. It's just the fact that you were there. Which is which is something that I think like, and this is no disrespect to someone like you, Matt, who is you know from Brisbane, and I'm not saying that you know bigger cities like Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, they don't get behind there, but I think it's it's something that people who live in smaller cities where you kind of have that notion of everybody knows everybody, you're always going to bump into someone down at the supermarket, things like that. Like you do yeah. have that extra sense of pride, and I, I mean I haven't lived in Tassie now for a couple of years, but that pride's always in me. If I ever got on the show, I don't care where I'm living in the world, I'm going to say I'm from Tasmania because I'm proud of that aspect. So it's something that, yeah, I, I definitely have that feel I would connect with you, Karen, like I said that with Jeff, because it is that small city sense of pride that you have when you're being represented like this. Yeah. 
Yeah, you get it. When the game actually started on day one, now, obviously, you'd been in media for a long time. So, you know, having a microphone sort of in your face, camera, it would have been a lot more natural for you than it would be, say, another contestant who's never lived that life before. So do you remember on day one, like, it it still is a bit daunting when you know all of a sudden everything's being recorded and and you can see all the cameras in the background. Do you remember that day one when you stepped off that that bus and Lincoln was standing there on the cliffs? (laughs) Everybody remembers that. Absolutely. I'm sure it's like etched into their brain Um, because you – you just know you get up early in the morning, you're at the hotel, not not allowed to see anyone or go anywhere or basically leave your room. You need to be ready at this point. You get on a plane, you don't know where you're going, and you get on the bus. Um, so, yeah, and it just becomes very real. I think for me the, the cameras and the microphones, yeah, I'm more comfortable with that. That's fine. Um, that particular day, I... I know when I first had that moment of this is really real, wasn't until we got to our challenge point, which is a little bit later on. But back to what you're saying, I think what what's really good about how the guys work is the producers are allowed to speak to you, but the camera crew and the sound guys are not. And so and and I love it that it really literally takes basically a couple of days for you to just forget that there's a camera crew around you. Um, because they mic up somebody different because day one we know who's got the microphone so you kind of you're watching what you're saying when you're in that group around that person but then every day the person has the mic actually on them always changes so and then just just like that you just become a part of what's happening they become part of the background and it's just normal life in that sense which is really good because that's what helps the show become real and it helps get those moments of people thinking out loud or vulnerability that you wouldn't because if they're feeling so uncomfortable having a microphone shoved in their face. Working in the media, kind of what Matt was saying, like yourself worked in the media. We know Rob had a bit of experience uh, with some filmmaking. Deb was obviously working. Do you feel that working in the media industry when you kind of can maybe put behind you the little things like the camera and the production quicker than some of the other people who are not used to that. Does that give you a bit of an advantage in those early parts of the game compared to some of the others? <laughs> well, yeah, it would. Only just in the fact of I would know what I wanted to say and when I wanted to say it in that sense. You know, it's just there in the back of my mind. I know they're there. But, um, uh, you know, I, I just feel that it, they become so part of the background, it becomes so seamless that it's really easy for people to forget. It doesn't take long, really, once you're in it because you're breathing it, you don't have a watch on, it's, it's part of your everyday life. It's, yeah, they just, they do, they work really well to become part of the background. One of the biggest things of playing this game is that anticipation of who are you going to be playing with? Who are the other contestants? Because you don't know. You you might see him a little bit before the show actually technically starts because you've got to do photo shoots and stuff like that. But but once you once the cameras are rolling, that's the first time you actually get to talk to him. So what was your first impression of like not just the Kadena members, but you're looking over and you're seeing the Tapara members and you, you, everyone's sizing each other up. So what was your initial thoughts? Um, I'm. I like to actually watch people and just, you know, sit back a little bit, keep my thoughts to myself and just see what's going on around me and just watch what I'm saying and what I'm doing. And I know with, particularly with my guys, I wanted to just see who was going to be a leader, who wasn't, make some suggestions, but don't 
but don't overtake the group. You know, like you don't want to stand out too much. This is my mindset. Um, how are we physically? What are our ages like? And then for the for the other guys, you we don't get to talk to them really much. Um, but you can kind of get an idea. You just kind of size up the physicality. No one knows about mental strength until you get into something. But I I wanted to watch to see what was going to happen and, and how things were going to unfold. Which must be unique too from your perspective that, again, you hadn't really watched much of the show. So and Survivor's still very new at this point. So even you know compared to what it is today, when it's very heavily, I guess, social, the the strategies and all that sort of stuff. Do do you then on day one are you still? What are you thinking? Is this more of a physical? Is this more of a social game? You think it's elements? Do you have one way or the other? You kind of got a mindset. Um, I know for me, I because when you're having conversations with everybody around you, I'm, I was trying to work out what their goals were and where they wanted to be and, and what was going on for them as well. And I know for me, I just wanted to see how far I could go just, you know, just for me and whatever that was going to look like. I already knew that you're always stronger with people around you than you are on your own. And so I wanted to just suss out about, how who I could work with, who I could communicate, that we could work really well with to support each other. Um, I already knew that. That's about as far as I got. And then it's a matter of, you know, communicating and talking and watching and really listening. I was really listening to what people, what that what my guys around me were saying and how they're operating. One thing that was never fully clear on the edit was where you really stood in the tribe and who you were really close with. They never really touched on that. You were sort of always there, but, you know, you, we always saw like the Craig and Naomi. That was always clear that those two were, were very close. But it's, it's like when you start a new job, you always gravitate to certain people. Like on day one, day two, who were you most closest to? So Craig and Naomi as well. And I know that um, I love both Craig and Naomi as well. The so they end up the Sylvan, Deb, Craig, and Naomi with with us together, the the Fab Five. Um, that that worked out really well. And I know, yeah, right from the beginning, it was definitely. I remember like going, yeah, Deb, Craig, and Naomi, and Sylvan was just part of that. So I know that um, I was equally as close with Craig, but it wasn't really talked about so much or we played it down, but I definitely know we had some very strong bonding moments and trying to survive and not freeze to death <laughs> kind of times. Well, of course, those other four members you just mentioned, that was what Deb ended up calling the famous five. So that was <laughs> the, the five members there that were, were ultimately the last five Kadena members. Of course, the first one was Lucinda that went, then Tim, then David Haas. Now, I'm a big fan of David Haas. I've said a lot on this podcast. Yeah. He's one of my favourite players of all time. Yeah, you're dead to me now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, this is another reason why I really wanted you to come on the show, Karen, because it just didn't – it never looked like you and David ever gelled at all. I would love to know what was it. Was it just totally – you were very similar age. I think you were about 29 at the time and uh, David Haas was 34. So close in age, but you just never seemed to click. Yeah. So before I answer, what did David say? Uh, <laughs> he well, always wanted to vote we, you out when we watched the damn things back every single bloody episode. I want to vote Karen out tonight. I know. Yeah. I know. Well, we know Craig, Craig's admitted that him and David just 
did not gel. So we know that. Um, and, and look, we, we know, and David admits it himself, he, he's a unique character. He's sort of, mm-hmm. David's David. Like, you're not going to yeah. change him. That's just who he is. It's probably why he got on the show. But I could never, we could never fully understand from the edit. Like, David wanted, he wanted you out first. Like, he said it. He, he <laughs> wanted to vote you out on day three. Did and he then at one why? Well, no, well, it was, it's actually on the, uh, on the episode. He actually says on one of his confessionals, he says, oh, you know, I, I would prefer to vote Karen, but in the end they vote Lucinda because Lucinda Didn't sort of puts a hand up. he say in the confessional that he thought you were contributing the least? I think that's what he said from memory, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah but, but he said he said if he had it his way, this is actually on the show, uh, on the show he says in the confessional, yeah, that he, he would have rather you go first. But then later on he sort of tries to team up with you, but you were never having a bar of it. It was just an interesting dynamic between you two. <laughs> um. Yeah, so he he is his own personality right from the get-go and his mindset was different to the other guys. Um, yeah, he was just really – I never got the vibe from him from the beginning anyway, like right from the beginning. And I don't know, maybe he just wanted to do things his own way or, you know, maybe just that little fact he didn't think I was contributing anymore but, you know, I'm the only one that won an, an immunity challenge any of our challenges actually. Um, but you can't get along with everybody. With the, the first three Kadena members that did leave were all all the older members of the tribe. Obviously Lucinda was um, was around fifty years old and then and then Tim was um, was fifty one and then and then David was thirty four. And then it left the famous five you're all somewhere in your twenties. Was that a, do you think that was a coincidence or is this the fact that the twenty year olds all seem to have more in common and got along because Tim's another funny one um, that we never saw a lot of Tim in his two episodes. And unfortunately we'll never get to, to, to talk to him about his game. Mm-hmm. We did speak to his lovely wife, Jenny, but Tim seemed like a very nice, great bloke. He just, and, and we've often thought maybe it just was the fact that he was the oldest member of the tribe. Maybe that's why he got voted out. What, what's your take on Tim? He, I agree with you. I thought he he is was a really lovely guy, a really lovely man, you know. And um, he used to talk about his family, and he just, he, yeah, he was just a really lovely person. And I, I guess when you come to making those decisions about you know who's going to go, who isn't, it's it you look for some strengths or who's got some longevity or who's going to help get you through in in that case. Um, or for me, I just look for the easy vote. Do you know, who do, who, who do I think that is uh, less, you know, more likely to be going and, I, and that's the way that, that, that I'd go. It's interesting hearing you talk about sort of the five because I know Craig sort of brought up a lot in his interview that he didn't see it as a five. It kind of just, it happened that way. And, and a few others have kind of mentioned that. It's just kind of, it, it happened that way. Did you see it as a five? Did you kind of see that we are a five working together or given that there was never that conversation to, I guess, officially confirm it, 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 it again is just, it just happened that way. It, well, gosh, if we got really philosophical about this, you know, um, nothing just happens. It all kind of goes that way. But when you're in it, in that sense, that's how it developed. You know, like just with the sequence of the circumstances with Lucinda going first, you know, that was prompted from her. Um, and then, you know, Tim and then David wasn't the most well-liked 
<laughs> person. <Yeah>. Anyway. <laughs> so, and I, I know with Craig and I, we've had like many conversations. Uh, we were really, really close that way. And Gnomes, Naomi, who I just love to death and she's so amazing. And I always speak so amazingly of her. And Deb is equally fantastic too. She, you know, she has that really fantastic inner drive and strength. And Sylvan being a writer, just with his mindset and creativity, you know, like sometimes we just like, oh, he's just lost the plot. He's it, just that, just that, not enough food. And because we all go through ups and downs with our energy and our mentality. And I know the boys felt it first because they have more muscle in their body than what we do. And we all just, we all just clicked. We all, we all just clicked um, in that sense. Which I have to say, like, this is what I missed about talking Kadena because it's been a while. It's it's getting the opportunity to hear these stories and and I'm a mad Sylvan fan. We love talking about Sylvan. Sylvan just is a is a kook. I love him. He's fantastic. And I loved kind of when he's in his discussion about Sylvan's fantasy world and then he's like moving on to that point when you're all talking about, oh, if we're all sleeping together, we'd accidentally be having sex and kind of all these kind of things. So they're the moments I'm sure that outside of the being freezing cold and hungry, like they're the ones I'm sure the memories that would live with you forever, those just kind of fun little moments you get to hang out with these people and you're just having fun. Yes. Well, I I know that we have, I don't know if Craig uh, mentioned it or not, but we had the rule, eventually we had the rule of we weren't allowed to say the F word and we weren't allowed to say the C word. But the F was food and the C word was chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you remember the time Craig and I were in a tree or close to a tree or something and we were talking about, he was telling me his theory on there's a chocolate for everyone in the world, like the fruit and nut for the older generation and whatever else it was and what my favourite chocolate was at the time. So, And I just remember uh, that came up when people, you know, my fans or people ask about those kinds of things, what we're experiencing and and because in in the beginning we're talking about food a lot. And what could we have? And then I remember like salivating, talking about food that I could have. And I just remember this one particular day with Craig, we were talking about it and he was just going a bit crazy in the face and you just like having a physical reaction. It was like, yeah, we need to stop doing this. Can't say the F word, can't say the C word. <laughs> Craig's little chocolate theory is, is one of our favourite moments on this <laughs> podcast. We've even had a one of our big um, big fans of your season, Matt Carr, actually did the Craig Abbott chocolate challenge where he put the um, Black Forest uh, in a bowl in, in a microwave for two minutes. And, and we've since realised that with the new technology microwaves, you now put it on medium heat for about a minute. But uh, it was actually funny because I'm a, I'm a fruit and nut guy. And I just, just prior to your interview, I was just going through the handbook and it says your favourite chocolate was also fruit and nut. But Craig, he said that fruit and nut was only for people that are over than 50 years old. So Craig Abbott, you're wrong. Karen, <laughs> she liked the fruit and nut too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Definitely. That was pretty cool. Yeah, and I know there's, I know there's, uh, oh gosh. I remember in the beginning there was, you know, nights when on the very first, those first few nights when all of us are there together and you have that one blanket that doesn't cover all of you. So I remember we had the little sleeping rotation. I'm sure that you've spoken to somebody would have mentioned this at some point that we would um, move along under the blanket every night. So you kind of rotate through. So there's two of you at the end that don't have any blanket over you. And I know for Craig and I, when when that was me 
he, I know he was trying to use his body warmth as much as possible. Like if we could be any merged closer as physical skin possible that we would be because I suffered a lot from the freezing, freezing cold. I was literally there shaking um, from it. And I think that's how we bonded as well because he really took care of me a lot of times that people didn't see. And same for me, back to him as well. It seems interesting mm. to sort of hear about that with Craig because it's kind of, I, I guess this goes, goes into what Matt was saying before about there's a lot about your game that we didn't really see and we, we never really, I guess, got to see that closeness between you and Craig. Out of those five that you, well, that group of five that you were a part of, was Craig, I guess, your number one? If you had the opportunity to go to the end with anyone, would that have been Craig? I kind of have Craig and Naomi equally there. Um, Gnomes because she, I already know what, I knew what her goal was and her goal right from the beginning was she just wanted to make it to merge. She really, she loves Survivor so much and that was her thing. And for me, it was more about, well, I just want to see how far I can go. I don't have this huge um, background interest that you have. I've developed it and I'm into it. I'm in it now. Um, so it was really important to me uh, about her and that was a really big a decision around when we merge about me going at that time too because I wanted her to stay because we all knew the first person after merge doesn't doesn't stick around and we also knew really clearly that um, the other guys were because we were forming alliances and I'd made really close friends with Jane. She's so beautiful. Really, um, Jane. Yeah, you didn't. You, don't, you didn't hate Jane. I thought you hated her. Every confessional you were saying how much you hated Jane. Clear, clear this up for me, Karen. <laughs> That was in the beginning. That was in the beginning. I, I think in the I think in the beginning everyone hated Jane, hated and then it. in the in the end everyone Queen loved her. Jane. So. Queen Jane, Queen Jane, we've crowned her <laughs> Queen Jane. We just need to establish. Oh this. my god! You know, there's judgment there, and it's so. And of course, you hate each other. We're in a competition, and I just know when we got to merge, when everything all came together, I wanted Craig had immunity, which is what I wanted, and I wanted to have Naomi in a protect in a in a place as well. And it didn't really matter so much to me. This is a question we were going to obviously bring up later on, but we're on the topic now, so I think uh, we'll continue on with it. You, you are the first person in the history of this game to to make merge but but not make jury. So you were the only one that uh, got to Aurora and then were obviously voted out a couple of days later. Did that, did that hurt a little bit, like realising that only one more vote you could have got on a jury and been a part of actually deciding who was going to win this game? Or, you know, obviously you said, you said Naomi really wanted to make the jury. So for her, I mean, that it was either going to be you or Naomi. Yeah, but no like, But once you were actually voted out, were you kicking yourself a little bit thinking, damn, like one more vote and I, I would have got to be a part of the jury? I don't really, <laughs> not really. Um, I'm tr so what goes through my head is at that time, at that time when we were trying to form alliances and, I, you know, Jane was great, had Sophie, that kind of thing, to see where we were at. But without a shadow of a doubt, we knew. Like I just knew hands down. And that day as well, I spent the whole day shaking I was just like just cold I was cold I was miserable I was so sick of just physically shaking all the time so cold and 
you know, uh, it just it just felt like everything aligned. You know, there was a massive, amazing moon in the sky. Craig had got immunity, and it really wasn't a big deal to me at that time. You know, I was ready to go in that sense. If it was, if it was somebody else or some another situation, then I'd be like, well, yeah, let's. What can we do? Let's vote for somebody else or let's do something else. And then I think what ended up was Naomi Gnomes won the next immunity one, so she was safer for longer than we expected. But then, of course, then she was out. So for me, it was a really good decision, and it's not a sacrifice decision. It's not a anything. It was just a good decision that worked well for me and worked well for everybody else because we got those extra votes against Katie. It, it's interesting hearing you say that because because. Craig did talk a lot about, in his interview, a lot about, you know, members sort of of the Kadena tribe just because you lost so much that there was times when people were just ready to go. And he did he did mention, we, we talked about you and 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 being obviously voted out uh, the first member of Aurora. And he did mention that. He mentioned exactly what you said, that he felt that at that time you were just, you were ready to go. Like that, that you had, you know, you had played hard, but at the end you knew that sort of you couldn't get much further and that you were happy and ready to go. So it's interesting to hear to say that, that Craig was actually spot on with his his thoughts of, of how you were sort of yeah. playing at that time. Well, we had, you know, many, lots of conversations with the, with the famous five and, you know, coming and then coming down to us and particularly at Merge, because when you're merging, there's still us three versus those. It's still, you know, we're confining in each other and talking to each other and who did you connect with? Did you feel that you could, did you get an alliance with somebody else? Um you know, we, yeah, with those two in particular, with Craig and Naomi, yeah, they knew everything about how I was feeling and I knew how they were feeling. It's just all out there in the open. And did you then have that conversation? Because between yourself and Naomi going that night, did you go to Katie, Rob, Shona and just say, hey, vote for me, not Naomi, to ensure that they did vote for you and that Naomi didn't go home? Yeah, Absolutely. So Jane first, I went to Jane first because that's who I had the first connection with. Um, And then I kind of wanted to suss out a little bit on what would benefit them the most and how could I protect Naomi. And Jane, uh, you know, I kind of got a feeling from the group about how they were feeling about Katie and we all knew that she was going to be a threat and I don't think we particularly liked her at that point really anyway either. So it was it was really easy. But, yeah, absolutely. I had a conversation with a couple of the guys from the other side and just said, hey, if you do this, then I'll make sure that we do that. And that's what we did. Definitely going to talk about that conversation with Katie uh, very soon. But I, I'm actually really loving this, Jane, because like, I've literally got a question written down. Matt would be able to say this too because I send him the notes that I write down. I've literally written why or how much did you hate Jane? And the fact that you've come <laughs> out and straight away said I don't. Now, this is reminding me of our podcast because we didn't hate Jane, but we were kind of like, oh, Jane, Jane. And then kind of by the end, we're crowning her a queen. So clearly... Yeah. Karen, you're on the train here. You can see that Jane might start off a bit like, eh, Jane, but then all of a sudden it's like, you know, let's all bow down. She's queen. Tell tell me, what was it about Jane when you met her and all of a sudden like, well, this woman's incredible. I love her. <laughs> of course, in the very beginning, there's there's judgment. There's just judgment on you. what do you look like, what do you sound like, what are you acting like, what can you do? And I know I, I feel for Jane that she just got the – vapid, you know, is there any brains going on inside of their uh, kind of thoughts? 
about her. And, you know, and I would say that the other side would say exactly the same thing about me. You know, am I the ditzy blonde that, you know, can't do anything or achieve anything or any or that? So Jane had a bit of that for me. But I just remember I was just like when we all had our physicals and this is prior to even being coming onto the show, I remember speaking to one of the doctors and he was saying, they, he said to all of us, he said, because um, I was really lean and fit back then as well, and he said, "It's you guys should put on weight. I know you're concerned about what you look like and what you do, but considering what you're about to head into, you really should put on weight. And I did. I put on nearly five kilos before I went into the show. Took me forever. And gosh, it was a lot of fun as well. <laughs> Ice cream. But it took me a really long time to put on all the extra weight. And then I remember just getting out there and looking at Jane. I'm just like, oh, my freaking God. She's just like, did you not listen to anyone? Do you, did, you know, what the hell is going on here? And, um, and then you kind of like throughout the adventures, um, but and then more so later towards the end, you see that she has this little inner strength. But the thing that changed for me was when we finally did merge and we were spending some time with each other and and I ended up spending time with Jane. I remember on the day that I knew I was going to, so the day of, of um, leaving, I knew I was leaving. I already knew, so it was in the afternoon, I already knew that I was going to go and have a hot shower, have some clean clothes, have some really yummy food. And we had just, I think it was the day prior, we'd just won, well, we'd merged, I guess, and we'd got all the little treats. We'd had like potato chips and some soft drink and things like that, which was like absolutely incredible. I'm sure everybody has said the same thing yep. about how amazing that horrible junk food is. <laughs> um, so, and Jane had some chips with her and we got back to where we were sleeping and she had saved her little packet of chips. And we got back in and I'm shaking from the cold and just it's just crap and then she offers me her chips she goes look do you want some wow and she, so she was willing to share them with me and i said no i said in a few hours i'm going to have so much food it's not even crazy so thank you so much and gosh i appreciate that but please keep these for you because you're going to need them and that was like the sweetest thing ever and then yes love jane now Queen Jane, everyone. Queen Jane. More evidence right there. She's ascending to that crown even more. Yeah, she's we had, we had a good laugh with Jane, actually, because during her interview, she, there, there was one of the um, challenges she won. I think you were already gone at that stage, but uh, she won some scones and uh, a bit of jam and cream. And the edit showed it that she never shared, which, of course, we found out later from other interviews that she did actually share it. But they were trying to, I guess, portray this 18 year old selfish sort of girl who didn't have much life experience but jane nailed it in her interview she said like she's 18 she lived at home what did they expect like what life experience can an 18 year old really have so <laughs> it's good to hear you talk about jane in, in a really positive way because we did see it after watching this you know the season multiple times you know jane was a great character and for 18 like to play this game she's still you may not know this she's still the youngest player in the history of australian survivor to ever play the game but wow. you know, like you, you, you had like 10, 11 years on her. So you imagine yourself playing at 18 years mm -hmm. of age. It's crazy. Yeah. Crazy. That's all I can say. 
just want to go back slightly um, to the the Deb vote where Deb goes home. Now, that was kind of a, you know, split down the middle, essentially. Sylvan and Deb obviously are going to vote one way. Uh, they all end up voting for you. And, of course, um, you know, uh, Naomi and Craig uh, would, you know, vote the other way. Had Sylvan and Deb come to you? I know you've just sort of admitted how close you were with Naomi and Craig, so I probably might assume the answer to this. But had Sylvan and Deb come to you and said, hey, we need to split these two up, vote with us and we vote one of these out, would you have considered that at all? Between Naomi and Craig? Yeah, would you have voted for any of them to go that night instead of Deb? No. <laughs> it's well, I, I mean, I assume that would be the answer because given this had how close you were, because it's, I mean, this is what we've obviously learned a lot from Kadena members is that there wasn't really that mindset of let's try and do this again, early part of Survivor. So this kind of wasn't the norm. I know Deb talked a lot about that in her interview that hindsight now, of course, she would have pushed more to approach you and ask, like, but back then it just wasn't part of the brain. It's, it's common sense yeah. now in Survivor back then, no. But, I mean, it's it's yeah. kind of, I guess, fascinating to learn, obviously, in this interview that you're saying how close you were with Naomi and Craig, something that clearly, based on your edit, we didn't really get to see. I remember Deb was lovely too. And, and after Survivor, when I was in Darwin, I moved to Sydney, I, I went and stayed with Deb. So she, you know, she put me up in her place for three weeks until I found a place to live. Um, and we all stayed in touch after that anyway, so she's gorgeous. Um, but I remember there was times when we finally got to go down to the ocean and we're trying to catch some food and Deb and I were literally catching crabs with our hands, like you're just throwing your hand into the little rock pool and hopefully you get to crab you get to catch the crab before its claw gets to catch you. So we had a lot of uh, time there too where I you know could get to know who she was. I knew she was a strong person underneath that as well she does you know Wing Chun like martial arts she's a black belt so I know that there was that inner strength there from her um in that sense as well if that makes any difference what what do you think it was then that Kadena just couldn't win like the first nine tribal councils all eight Kadena members were gone only Jeff Brown was the only Tabara member that went uh, on the fourth vote but you look so – everyone on your tribe looks so physical, especially the last – the famous five. You know, Craig, massive competitor. You were extremely fit. Um, you know, everyone looked like you were going to wipe the floor with the Tapara members, but you just couldn't get over the line in the immunity challenge. You you guys would often win a lot of the uh, reward challenges, but yes. just – it must have been extremely frustrating. Oh, <laughs> and don't forget – and Naomi as well. She's, she's gutsy. You know, that's the thing about her. I, I, you know, I'm a little bit of a chicken. I'm strong and fit and healthy. Um, and so I'm, I don't know how much people know about my fear of the ocean. Well, um, I, I know it in the book. It's written that you're, a, that you're afraid of the ocean in the official guide. I was going to ask you about that, but tell us more. So when you, and I knew that it would come up because, of course, we're in Australia. What do you expect? But uh, when you, in your um, application process and they ask you all these questions, you, what, what do you aspire to? What are you afraid of? And all those kinds of things. And I wanted to tell the truth. I figured it was going to come out. And I wrote that I was afraid of the ocean. And more from, I've, I've nearly drowned a couple of times in my life. So once when I was really little, another time, like two or three, you know, fell into the, the creek bed. Um, and then once was like six or seven, I remember that one very clearly. 
And I'm okay to swim, totally fine to swim, a confident swimmer, great, but put me to the, into the ocean and I literally am like that little deer in the headlights. And even now, many, many years later, and, you know, I lived at the Gold Coast. I'm here in Brisbane and um, I dated a surfer and he taught me how to go under the waves or over the waves. But even now, if I don't go to the ocean regularly, when a wave comes to me, it's so counterintuitive to go, I have to go to the wave. I literally just want to run away from it. And then, of course, they get smashed and then that's not a good thing. So I didn't have any of that knowledge back when I was down in the show. And our first challenge was get out into the water and get those logs and then get back. And, oh, my God, my heart was, oh, it was incredible, incredible. It was, it, you know, I swear it was pounding outside of my body and um, the adrenaline that's going through and the fear was just nuts. And every time I had to go into the ocean and I had to go, it just, it was, it was horrible. I just felt like crying. It's an irrational fear. And anyone who has an irrational fear will know exactly how I'm, how I was feeling. But oh, sometimes just some of those times. And I know when we had to get the treasure chest from off the bottom of the, of the, of the ocean and get that in freaked, freaked me out. You know, oh, I just remember trying to go down under and, and just being down underneath there. And I can clearly see being under the water and, where it is and trying to get under there. It's just horror. It's making me feel sick now, actually. So I'm sure that doesn't help when we get to those immunity challenges because I'm not operating anywhere near as, as what I could with any other time. Um, but, yeah, we just couldn't get our shit together, could we? It's well, just... until you drove a car. Then you yeah. could get your shit together. Well, see, no ocean involved in driving a car. <laughs> Which I mean, that I mean, obviously, it's the only immunity challenge you guys win. Yeah. But to be part, such yeah. an integral part of it too, that must have been a great feeling for you. That was amazingly fantastic, and I knew I and I was really hoping when that challenge came out, I purposely changed my body language to I really, really was hoping that they'd choose me because I knew that I could drive. And I really, I remember turning around to my group and I was like, oh, you know, just feel sorry for me. Just, you know, pat, you know, pat me on the back or just pretend that this isn't going to be a good thing. And I, cause I really, really wanted him to choose me. Um, and the connection that I have with Craig, I already knew with Craig that we would, we would smash it. So it was great. I'm just picturing it now. Here you are all enthusiastic, like pick me, pick me. And Sylvan's is gradually like going into the background because of course, <laughs> Sylvan didn't have a license, couldn't drive. So he's just slowly going in the background, like don't pick me. <laughs> That's right. I'm like walking, walking to them. Cause I, I remember I specifically turned away from the other guys so they could, I didn't want them to see my face. I wanted them to see, I was just like, yeah, just pick me. Come on guys, you can do it. But yeah, it was good. It was good. Really good. And thank goodness. Yeah. You mentioned and then he's the, the only one that actually gets the car. Yeah. The only one of us who doesn't have a freaking license and he wins it. It's like, dude, at least you could have given me the car. Yeah. I was gonna say, do you feel do you feel in the end seeing that you actually won or were you and Craig won it? It should have been out of like you and Craig to see who actually won won the car. One hundred percent. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. You you mentioned the very first challenge with the logs. Now, of course, that's one of the most, you know talked about events of your season the fact that it was a first episode it was such a big beautiful amazing challenge but of course at the end of it it was a complete fail they aired it on tv it wasn't a good look for the show that it looked like well here america have done two big seasons it's such a pop you know the most popular show going at the time and australia are trying to do their own version and first episode bang it's a fail 
what were what do you remember about that that first challenge and and even like when you watched it back on TV thinking oh you know it didn't look good for the show um so that's the point for me the point of no return standing up on the platforms trying to get that pyre to be uh lit on fire when we're like hypothermic and just horrendous and i remember that's when the shakes first started on that particular night we're there for hours i just remember them like going you know what is it that Dor- dorothy says you know we're, we're not we're not in kansas anymore kansas. yeah it's just that was that time because it was hours and hours the wind was incredibly strong and un unpredicted of course and i was just like holy shit what have I got myself in for? What the hell's going on? And then when nothing was working, you're you're just in it, just going, you what are we doing? Like what's what can we what's happening? We can't we physically can't do it. We're trying our hardest to get this challenge done. You know, where do you go to from here? But it was just a massive, massive wake up call. I'm sure I don't know what the other guys said about that particular experience and at that point I'm, I'm not thinking how is this going to look on tv i'm just like how can we how can we end this yeah. what do we need to do to get this done well were you were you still on air when it was actually airing like were you allowed to be on radio yeah. so you were so what i mean given that you talked about how much the fan reaction was when they found out that this was a thing and and we obviously know that generally fans weren't a fan of this season when it was airing what was that like were you getting a lot of calls people calling up saying this isn't survivor this is bullshit like that first challenge like do you remember kind of the feedback from the fans you were getting at the time yeah we didn't i didn't get any of that um uh, maybe or you know maybe we didn't answer them (laughs) 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 maybe they didn't get through who knows um, but no, no, I was there when we were taking the calls, so I didn't, I didn't get any of that f- feedback. I know the biggest thing that my the fans got out of it, even the people who were listening, because we didn't, we'd only spend a short amount of time on Survivor on any particular morning that we had it, and because you know there's other things to talk about, and we wanted to limit it. And when I explained to everybody about how long that challenge took. And the, I think it was like 30 not wins or 25 not wins. It was just something absolutely crazy. And just the amount of physical energy and effort that was that we went through, they all kind of just went, oh, right. And I think it was, you know, it kind of helped them because when they're watching the net, as each show comes, you get to see a minute of a challenge or a couple of five minutes challenge as opposed, like I said before, but that challenge could have been three hours or four hours or two hours. So they, I think maybe at that point they might have got a little bit more appreciation from the insider perspective of it. Which was important too because this is very early days in reality TV when literally people are thinking everything we're seeing on our screen is legitimately what happened. A lot of people didn't understand the point of editing. Nowadays, we all know, we all understand how long these challenges are, how long Tribal Council goes for, the fact that you're getting driven to Tribal Council, you're not really walking there, things like that. We know that now. But back then, we all wanted to believe everything was real. So that would have been a great insight for people to hear that background from you. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I guess when, because I had that connection and I know what we did in Darwin was we picked one of the local pubs and every time, and when the show was airing, all the list, every, all my listeners, all my friends were all, were all invited just come and hang out in the pub. We could all watch it together. 
it was a really nice social thing. I know, you know, I, we used to do that with friends or things like that. Episodes all kind of connect. So I wanted to do that. And that was that um, was a really awesome experience because there was a, a central group of maybe 40 or 50 of us that kind of come down regularly. And then the people around that would be, you know, in and out, whatever's happening on their particular night. But it was interesting because then they'd ask me questions Then I'm like, oh, well, really, this is what this was. And oh my God, no, yes, I thought I was dying. So yeah. it's probably helpful. I know anybody who's been to a, a watch party with a contestant, I've been lucky enough to be to one in the US before and it's, it's a lot of fun where you've got that, you're watching it with them and it's fresh and everything along those lines. One thing I'd love to know, because I know the Northern Territory News is very famous for its great front pages and fantastic headlines. Did you ever get a headline from the Northern Territory News or a front page or anything at all during that time? Oh, my God. Yeah, I, I did. Yeah, you're going back now. Um Oh, I don't remember what they are. I know I sent them to my mum because my mum collects everything. Um, I was in the news often up there anyway, so I, I used to just send them off for her for the scrapbook. Um, but nothing like because, you know, the news is famous for, you know, some someone gets axed or, they, you know, the crocodile chops somebody to pieces, um, the sensationalism. But that stuff happens in Darwin all the time. It's it's just it's weird. None of anything for me in the news was really supportive. It was really really supportive. I remember there was one one of the last ones I think I did with a you know in a Kubra cowboy hat on, really natural looking photograph about just being the the Aussie survivor, um, and that was lovely. But yeah, good support. Neat. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad. And that goes back to my point before when you're in that small setting, you know, generally you get that, that good support. One thing I want to touch on, the reward in which you get the phone call. Obviously, you didn't win the reward, but uh, Tapara were nice enough to give each of you a short amount of time with your loved ones as well. Now, um, we spoke to Sophie uh, not that long ago and we kind of had a question here and I needed to start off by one question first before I ask my second question. You spoke to... Your boyfriend at the time, Adam. Now, are you still with Adam? Is this someone still close to you in your life or is he long forgotten? <laughs> he's um, he's uh, he's still in my life, actually. Okay. Do we like he, Adam? <laughs> we do like Adam. Adam's a good guy. Okay. <laughs> um, we, we did break up and, you know, I left Darwin and that kind of thing. But um, over the years... We've, you know, we kind of touch base and kind of connect. And I, I actually, he is from, he's a territory boy, absolutely. And, um, but he got involved in the mines, he's moving around all over the place. But I, I saw him just a couple of months ago, actually. Wow. He was in Brisbane passing through. So, you know, we went out and caught up and um, just showed general support for each other. Well, that's good. <laughs> because well, my question I want to, the reason I just want to make sure that we're kind of, we're not like, married to him and we just I I had to do this with Sophie the other week and her nanny for this question but Adam was very grossed out by the fact that you weren't getting to shave and that he didn't want to see you again um (laughs) now I mean is this just Adam is Adam a larrikin guy is a bit of fun or is he legitimately scared of body hair and he just didn't want to see you for a couple of weeks afterwards (laughs) I totally forgot about that actually he is a larrikin he's uh, he's a country boy at heart um he's yeah, he's very much just a larrikin. Let's just go with that. All Things right. are really with him, which I really like. He's a really smart man, um, but it's but he has simple, you know, he was really fit and healthy, 
he's fit and he's healthy and, he's, and if he's out hunting or out fishing, uh, life is amazing. And he's got four beautiful children now um, who's in a really long relationship with his partner. Um, but, yeah, that's just him. Okay. Well, I just I feel like we did this with Sophie's nanny. Like we obviously we apologize. Like we we like Sophie's nanny and we like Adam. So if we said Adam, you're a bit of a you know douche for not liking Karen's body hair. We were joking. You're all cool, mate. <laughs> Larrick and Aussie, go go, Adam. Yeah, fully, one hundred percent. When you when you went into the merge, we've obviously talked a little bit about that. But there was that the moment where Katie pulls you aside, pulls yourself, Naomi, Craig aside sit you down and he's basically like, you will vote for Lance because this is how it's going to be. This is our plan. And and you were the one who basically were like, why? Why should we do this? You were kind of standing up to Katie and sort of questioning her. You mentioned before a little bit about Katie. Did you have any other thought process on her? You could see she was a threat, but, I mean, did you have any other conversations or anything or was that kind of it and you could just see that she was just a game player and you weren't going to ever connect with her? Good question. And I love that conversation. Um, great yeah, scene. It was great. Love being sit down and being told what to do. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I knew that, tra- that Katie was a triathlete beforehand. Uh, you know, you kind of get to find out about each other. So, uh, and that's a tough gig. You, you that's, that's hard. I knew that that's a really tough sport to do and you have to have some mental strength behind it. And, but I just didn't, I just didn't like how she conducted herself and got around. She's playing the game. That's the whole point of it. And I'm just not like that. And once I got to that stage, I'm, I'm a competitive person because all my friends around me say that I'm competitive, but I'm not vindictive or I'm not, mm, I don't, I just don't go around things the way that she does. Um, in that sense. So, and I already, I just, I knew that she'd be a threat because she's just so, she's physical and she's strong and she's gutsy and you can get through all of that anyway. And I was just like, no, I don't, I'm not here to support you. It's well, okay. Thank you very much for asking. You, you ultimately, you and Naomi ultimately did vote for Lance. You kind of did do what she said. You knew you were going home. Why, why didn't you just throw a vote on Katie then to kind of piss her off a little bit uh, and not listen to what she asked you to do? That's a really good question. So long ago now. Um, well, it, 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 it was Matt. interesting because Craig Craig kept voting for Rob. Every every the three tribals that he was there during Aurora, he kept yeah. on voting for Rob. And yes. then you and Naomi would vote for Lance. Yes, that's right. Yeah, that's right. We actually just yeah we said we'd we'd do that. We just keep. I totally forgot actually. So thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, we had a conversation about. Where, where can we put our votes and what we can, what we could do? And I think, oh, because, and we knew, ah, oh, we knew that Katie was going to get a whole stack of votes that night anyway. So then what we did was we put ours towards Lance and he put his towards Rob. Yeah. Ta-da. Which, it's, well, it's interesting because Katie didn't get any votes. She never, you, all the votes came to you. So it's kind of, it's interesting to have that perspective because Katie didn't end up getting any oh, votes yeah. until she got voted out. She got them, yeah, later. I, I, I think what, what Craig sort of said was they wanted to end up because back then it, it was different in Survivor. Back then, it, if if there was a tied vote, which we ended up seeing uh, in the Jane and was it Joel, wasn't Joel. it Ben uh, yeah. vote, where if there's a tied vote, 
it, it ends up going back to who has the most votes against him, which they don't do in modern day Survivor. That was yeah. unique to the very early US and, and, and your season where I think, and from hearing uh, Craig talk, it was a matter of like getting to the point where Rob had a certain amount of votes and Lance had a certain amount of votes. So, but it is interesting because it would have been hard for you that here, Katie, she was younger than you. She was about five years younger than you at the time telling you what to do. And, you know, I think even from talking, you're that personality where, you know, you're not going to really take well to someone telling you how you're going to play this game. So, so for, for a 24-year-old to be sitting you down and saying, hey, Karen, you're going to vote for this tonight. Do, and you're already at a low point. I mean, Kadena's been decimated. You know that you're not going to last too much further in the game. Katie's in a great position to win this game. And then here she is, 24, walking over and saying, oh, and by the way, you're going to do this or else. Like, it would be hard. It would have been hard to swallow. Like, It's just, yeah, I, I don't think anyone likes being told what to do anyway. Um and it is it you know it's part of part of the game for her to 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 be doing that and because full credit to her she was playing the game yeah where i was where i was i just want to see how far i can go you know um i'm i don't I didn't have as much um, investment into the actual winning part of it and it was so brand spanking new to me a new experience really I was going to say a really cool one, but I'll have to think of a different word for that. Um, <laughs> very interesting, life-changing experience. Um, yeah. Do you think you would have had that same experience if from day one you were on Tapara? And because a lot of the Tapara members were playing pretty hard. You look at Rob, mm-hmm. Shona, Katie. They were the three, you know, hardest playing competitors out there. Like, stressed it, especially with that strategic mindset. Like, Katie's there writing down plans of how they're going to get to the end. Rob was the mastermind puppet master. You know, Shona, amazing player. Like, she was there for one thing, and that was to get to the end and hopefully win. Where your tribe, although I'm not saying that people went there to win, but it was definitely more of, hey, we're young, we're in our 20s. Like, you know, this is a massive adventure. But do you think you would have had the same sort of, you know, gameplay if you're into par or you're glad that in the end you're ultimately in Kadena? Well, you know, I'm, I don't regret anything and where I went, you know, where I was at and what I was doing. I can absolutely say that if I had been in Tapara and you've got all that around you, well, of course that would rub off in me anyway. I'd start thinking in a different way. Yeah. Um, even though I'm not planning how it's going to happen and who's going to go and whatever, it's not to say that Naomi, Craig and I, particularly in the end, we're not, or even, yeah, more so us three, we're sitting down and counting votes and, and we're aware of who had had previous votes, you know, against them. It's, it's there, just not as in front of mind as an individual structured spoken about as the other guys. But had I been with them, then it would have to be because you can't have that influence around you and not be starting to think a little bit more like that. And I actually think, I think more so with those guys, I probably wouldn't have bonded as much with those guys either. And then I would have, instead of doing what I did strategically at the merge, I would have probably stayed on longer because there's not anyone particular I was invested in to have, make sure they get there. Did you have any conversations with Rob at all at the merge or did you kind of get a vibe on, on Rob at all in the brief time that you were with him? Oh, goodness. Um, not a lot that I can remember at this point. I definitely, I may have had a small conversation with him, but I more so remember Sophie and Jane, because um, I, I think I, I think we sent, I think we sent Craig off to have a conversation with Rob, actually. Well, anyway, yeah, 
I think Craig and Rob, they always had that relationship. I think they knew each other game plan. <laughs> like Rob wasn't silly enough to want to keep Craig around and Craig knew damn well that Rob was there to play the game. But Shona, yes. Shona took a real liking to to Craig, called him the young warrior, wanted to keep him around as long as possible. Rob wanted nothing to do with it. Was Shona coming up to you calling you the young warrior? Was, was <laughs> Did you have any relationship with Shona? No, not that I remember. No, I don't think so. She might have probably still thought I was a ditzy blonde by that point. You know? <laughs> well, it's also I like to, I mean, the other ones we haven't really mentioned, uh, Joel and Lance, any communications with them at all in the merge? Um, can't, I honestly can't remember. I'm really sorry. I, I don't know. I'm, I remember Lance was up early because he was doing yoga. Okay. Um, and I think there was an invitation to come to come along or to, to join him with that. Um, but, yeah, I don't really remember so much. And I don't remember having a conversation with Joel. I remember Joel more so after after it all as opposed to during. Well, I've done breakfast radio before, Karen, so I, I know what it's like when you get those rare opportunities to sleep in. So if somebody's coming to you in an opportunity where you, can't, you can sleep in or go do yoga super early, you're going, no. To sleep in. Uh-huh. 100 percent Got it in one. Absolutely. I slept a lot actually when I was there. I was the almost like the last person up all the time. Yep. That, that and that, <laughs> that comes from those what what 4 a.m. 3 a.m. starts, no doubt, yep. that you had for, for how many years? <laughs> a lot of years. And I actually started to get a bit worried because I was the last one up all the time. So yep. I'd be like, oh my god, maybe they're doing something strategically, you know. It's like, whoops. Anyway. One thing we haven't touched on is you were out there for 21 days. How did you find, like, the minimal food? The the We know it was freezing, but sleeping in the dirt. H- how did you find that for, for three weeks? Did, did you struggle with that? I don't know if the boys told you, but I, I shared my food a lot. Um, I It never really bothered me. I know Craig and I would go um, fishing together because I know he did a lot of research about how to make – we caught the lobster together and we did a whole bunch of things um to do with that and with the rice i remember i I would i eat a little bit of food but a lot of the time i'm i'm kind and i still am like that i remember having a rice cooked i would i would be full and so i would give it to one of the boys so i just go hey do you want this and yeah i often which i often shared it a lot um i know with craig and i we talk about the f word and the c word and when the, cause we had a ranger that came and told us what vegetation actually was able to be eaten around us, which was so, so helpful. The sedges and um, the other little things. Cause they were the, the other little, I don't know what they're called with flowers, some kind of uh, weird p- thing. Pig face, pig face. Yes. Ah, oh, thanks, Matt. <laughs> That's what I'm here Matt for. was really there. He actually was there. You just you didn't realize yeah. that. Well, hey, once they once they said no to me, I just went down there anyway and was just hanging in the bushes. Yeah, he was. <laughs> so why did he send us food like everybody else was hoping that we would get? Um, so those things are really sweet, and I know that at some point, which is why we stopped talking about food and chocolate, was. Because when you start salivating, when you're talking about food, and I know with Sylvan and with Craig, I remember at different points, I could see it on their faces. When your body just kind of gets this, oh, it's a really like horrible pins and needles kind of feeling all over. You just know you're hitting the wall in that sense. But um, 
that didn't bother me. Camping on the ground didn't bother me. I know people used to think I was like the pretty blonde one who's, you know, um, way too, you know, oh, I can't think of the expression. What is it when you, um, they're blonde and beautiful and they're high maintenance. Hi. I'm like the complete opposite. <laughs> so sleeping on the ground, going camping. I used to go camping with Adam all the time. Never bothered me. The only thing that got me, um, well, the biggest thing, not the only, the biggest thing that got me was the cold. Just the, I was constantly shaking. It's just crap. So you must have been annoyed to find out that the, the day after or the next challenge after you were voted out mm-hmm. was the, the the reward challenge that Naomi won and took Craig for the, the night over in Micarist <laughs> Station where they got to have the F word and the C word, a sit-down <laughs> meal, chocolate, and a night in a comfy bed in the warm while that night it was pissing down rain at Aurora. Um, yeah. When you had to sit back and watch it and find out that was the next reward challenge and you could have been a part of that. and. Yeah. A follow-up to that, if you if you would have been there when that challenge took place and you won it, who would you have taken? I'm assuming it would have been the other, well, the other Kadena member who, whether that be Craig or Naomi. But let's yeah. just say, let's just put in, let's just say if that happened one reward challenge before and you yeah. won and you got to choose either Craig or Naomi, who do you think you would have taken out of those two? So there's three of us. Yeah, Whereas if the, Naomi, didn't have a, Naomi didn't have a difficult decision because she knew she's going to take Craig. That that's right, but so that's 100%. Not fair. no, no. Come on, if you if this reward chap <laughs> challenge happened one like on the very first day of Aurora and you won, and obviously I'm assuming you wouldn't have picked any Tapara member. Who do, right. who do you think you would have taken, Naomi or, or Craig? Oh my god, I actually, I actually. I actually secretly think I'd probably take Naomi. Yeah. Um, I just she's just the best person. I love her. She's awesome. It would have been a better strategic move to take Craig because he would protect me in the future. But had I be thinking like that at the time, I don't know. Look, actually, what I would have done, actually, in the truth, because this is what we did in other bits, I would have gone. Who needs it most? Yeah. If Craig was hitting the wall and just like not happening, and because I, I would have spoken to no, I would have spoken to both of them, and whoever would have needed it most, that's who would have taken. Actually, two, yeah. Two quick questions on food, just while we're on that topic, sort of back from before. Great moment where we saw you and Craig going after bees. Uh, we obviously saw Tapara doing it a little bit more successfully, and then when you and Craig kind of did it, it was uh, <laughs> kind of the opposite. Do you do you remember you know hunting bees and honey basically with Craig? Oh, I remember everything. I remember, um, yeah, that was an adventure. We set, we were, we set like traps to try to catch rabbits. Um, we tried everything that we could possibly think of to get something happening. Yeah, not successfully, obviously. Um, but you got to have a go, right? And I just knew if we didn't try something, we would just be in the same situation. The other one. Yes. We were mentioning before about Rob. Uh, one conversation that did happen with Rob, and we love this moment, Karen, because we named an episode after this moment. Rob is kind of just having a general conversation around the campfire and you're know, talking about random things, what you would eat, what you wouldn't eat. And Rob asked the question, would you eat a human if you had to? To which you answered very quickly. There was no hesitation. you literally like alive or dead. You just you, you were straight into it. Like you didn't even seem to to hesitate. Like you had done this before. Now, current we call that episode Karen the Cannibal. 
Is there a secret you need to tell us here? Because I, I feel like this is something you may have done in the past. Maybe it's a past life thing. Who knows? Um, maybe I was just having a go at Rob, actually. Um, it sounds more like me, really. Um, but, um, yeah, I like to kind of take the piss sometimes, depending on what's <laughs> depending on what's going on. But at that point in time, I can't remember at that point in time, had – had that plane crash happened when those guys, when they had to survive, oh, had done that? I think so. It wasn't, yeah, yeah I believe, it would have. Yeah, would have. yeah. yeah the, the movie Alive in, in, yeah. the, uh, in the Andes, yeah. Yeah, kind of, kind of, yeah, I don't know. Who knows at that point? I just know. So can you answer? Hey. What, 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 what does it matter if they're alive or dead, Karen? Like, do you have a preference? <laughs> I... I think your preference would be that they're dead. Okay, right. Fresh. Matt and I are safe. Good to know, right? Yeah, thank you. That'd be a nice preference. Um, and it would be if it was the ultimate, ultimate case of survival. Right. Gotcha. Okay, good. Clarify that one. Uh, you, I mean, you mentioned before about when you got voted out, you were, I guess, kind of ready to go. You were looking forward to that shower, the food and all that sort of stuff. Yep. You're obviously still out there for, you know, the, the remaining 18 days before you can go home. Do you, do you have any memories or sort of fun moments? I know Deb and Sylvan talked a little bit about kind of some fun moments of you guys doing Zoolander and Blue Steel. I think I've got a couple of photos that have been sent to me of you guys pulling off those poses. Uh, you know, obviously some yep. fun memories to have, you know, before you obviously got to eventually go home. Definitely. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, that was really good. That was also the time that Lord of the Rings was going to come out as well. I remember we were talking about that. Zoolander was a huge influence on all of us. Yeah, those photos were fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> We've got more. Deals <laughs> <laughs> just the best. We got up to a lot of shenanigans that I, I don't know. I know that um, because Naomi, when – she had to stay by herself. So when she was voted off, she was in a place of her own. And then same thing also happened to Craig. And fair enough because they're members of the jury, um, whereas Craig and Silver, oh, sorry, it was um, Deb and I and Silver and could be together. So we had heaps of fun. But I know that I would sneak out at night and go on a recce. I don't oh. know if the guys told you. No, well, I, I think we heard from David sneaking out uh, beforehand and, some of that, but I don't think we've heard any stories about actually sneaking out uh, once you're voted out. So please tell us more. Ah, awesome. No, that's okay. It might be a secret in the vault. Oh, no, you got to tell us now, <laughs> well, Karen. Come on. You can't no, open well, that can of worms. <laughs> well, Jeff, because we know in the other house there was like Jeff and Tim and Lucinda and David for a short amount of time. But but, but Jeff, they told he, he told us stories about like him and Tim going down to shops and being recognised and having to run run through shops to, to avoid burglary, the cameras. didn't they? And, and, yeah, yeah, they, yeah, and they, they, while they were down there, they saw, they saw a robbery or something. So we, we definitely heard stories from people going out into Port Lincoln while they were in lockdown. Yeah, ignore so what I said, love- Karen. We heard all about it. Continue those stories yeah. that these other people have told. <laughs> oh, no. Um, we, we, well- we, were you down in Port Lincoln at karaoke night with Lincoln? We know Lincoln <laughs> was down there doing uh, karaoke. I heard about his adventures. I can't sing to save myself, no matter how good my voice is on oh, radio. There goes I that sing. segment, Matt. Scrap our regular singing <laughs> segment. Yeah, that scrap that one. <laughs> but, um, no, these were more like I remember we would um, would do these recce's where we'd you know dress up in our ninja outfits and sneak out at night. 
<laughs> and I know I wanted to find where Naomi was, so I tracked her down and went and caught up with her. Wow. Um, so I wanted to see where Craig was as well, so um, found out where he was and tracked him down too. Um, completely innocent, of course, you know, like and, and know um, what's going on in the show, blah, blah, what's happening, that kind of stuff. Uh, so full full integrity from that perspective because I'm I'm – you know, I come from that background as well. I'm very mindful of what people are trying to do with the show and those kinds of things. But just really, it was it was heaps of good fun. I was just I, I still do that call that now the recce. We went out on a recce, tracked down where they were, and then I would catch up with them and pass on messages from Craig or Sylvan. That's that's something that doesn't happen now in Australian Survivor. If you get voted out, um, you know, pre-jury you just get put on a plane and get sent straight home. So you have a, a you, yeah, so they don't do that now. Like when I got, I got voted out that the next day I was back home in Brisbane, uh, you know, so I guess it's something unique that you guys got to experience uh, in your, in your season that the rest of us will never get to experience that, uh, that whole still being together and being in a lockdown, um, you know, until the show actually finishes. Well, I know that when I actually did go into town and I had my media pass and I had to just pretend that um, I was just part of the media and, you know, whatever's going on and, you know, all those kinds of things. So I know that was kind of fun too. We need to find out what was your secret name. So every all contestants have told us what, because we know that you were pretending to all be on the show The Great Beyond. Uh, they they, <laughs> right? they weren't yeah and everyone had a secret name and we've been we've been writing them all down what the the secret name is do you remember what yours were was oh I don't know I can't remember oh, I I'm so sorry I might have um I've got some stuff in my cupboard locked away um some little trinkets and stuff from the show I might I think I still have my media pass from that yep um I'll have a, I'll have a quick look Jane told us a funny story that um, she had her secret name and she ordered some rune service. This is prior to the show air uh, to starting, and she signed it in her in Jane Dalton and realised afterwards, oh shit! And she thought she'd blown up the whole show because here she is signing for room service in her real name instead of the fake name she'd been given. <laughs> oh, classic! Yeah, I can understand that. Now I'll have to try and see if I can remember. I'm really sorry about that one. I have to find out one thing because we we know Sylvan obviously as a writer had a bit of a you know a reputation. He'd, he'd go out and get drunk and kind of work a couple of days a week and all that kind of stuff. H- how is Sylvan out in a recce? I mean, I can imagine he'd be a fun guy to go out in the town with. So I think in the end, I didn't bring him in because no, I think because. I remember bringing Deb once, and we and we went to see gnomes. Um, but because Sylvan bless his cotton socks, he's not quiet. He's just clumsy, um, <laughs> not not aware of his 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 body. You, you can't walk down a quiet street and not like bump into a window or. <laughs> oh, yeah, I just remember at one point it's like, no, you can stay here. Yeah, <laughs> are you aware of his? television background that he was on like wheel of fortune and then he was on kfc ads did did you did he talk about this to you at all did you know that i think that kind of rings a bell um but i can't remember oh yeah no no he did that was that it was while during the show yeah yeah good we we, we had a good laugh with sylvan because he's basically he's won showcases on wheel of fortune and of course I think he was on a, a Double Dare or some show earlier on and KFC ads. We found it like he, he's been on just about everything. And then he goes and wins the car that you actually won for your tribe. 
the only thing he didn't win was the five hundred thousand for uh, you know to win the old, uh, the actual show itself. But uh, yeah, still he still when he kind of made a bit of a, a we still haven't name found the ads, Matt. We still haven't found he the just... KFC ads. We're looking for them. We can't find them. Uh, and he just bumbles into everything, doesn't he? It's yeah. awesome. Just like yeah, down the street. One thing. Speaking of the five hundred thousand dollars, let's let's play the game that you finished where Naomi did. You and Naomi just swap positions. You are the first jury member. Who do you vote for between Shona and Rob? Oh, I'd say Rob. Still Rob. Yeah, yeah. And any particular reason? Just you? You think he played a better game, or kind of just based on what you saw out there, or? Well, I knew I knew that Shona was tough, but I also knew that Rob was younger and fitter and healthier. So at some point, you you know, there's that there's that uh, how long can you last kind of mentality, and you know, just even up the game a little bit. What were your thoughts on on watching the rest of the season play out? You know, with everything that un, un, happened with Tapara, kind of the Katie breakdown and everything else, and that happened. Well, it's it's uh, not a show without someone breaking down, is it? Is there? It's like, come on, you've got to have something that's happening. We're like the friendliest survivor in the world. <laughs> um, I was. It, it didn't didn't surprise me about Katie, but you know, a bit of drama going on under there, and of course, you start going, yeah, what's really going on in you know behind the scenes? What's you know who's really making promises to who? Mm. It is a game. Um, I was. Pleasantly surprised more so by Jane winning her challenge and seeing how far that she, her and Sophie had gotten through. Um, so that was, I felt really good about that one. That was really cool. But when it got down to uh, Katie and Rob um, and Shona, I was kind of like, well, it's on for young and old now, like literally, which is a good thing. And, and, and what were your thoughts on Joel, the whole promising to get to the final three in the end and, and giving his spot away to to Shona and Rob so they could get to the final two. Like, did that sort of rub you the wrong way, thinking, well, you know, like you played that game for three weeks, you know, only to have someone give up their spot at the final three? Yeah. It's, well, because from my experience as well, you know, and understanding where I came from and how I made my decisions about what, what happened, I can see where he's coming from. You know, uh, it's it's just it's different for everyone. Yeah. And every, everyone has a breaking point, or everyone, or everyone has gets to a point where something becomes bigger than something else. The reunion. Uh, any fun stories you remember, kind of the the night of the the reunion and and everything about that night? Obviously, it'd be nice rap party at the end of it. Get to catch up with everyone. Have a few uh, reckies, no doubt, with the crew. <laughs> oh, that was a complete blank. Actually, I have no recollection at all. Just very big recce. <laughs> <laughs> very successful one. Uh, it was. I'm sure everybody else. Well, I hope everybody else said the same. It was just really, really fantastic to connect again. So to see the famous five, like Naomi and Craig and Deb and Sylvan and get together was, and, but even the producers and the, the film and camera crew, because you spend so much time out there with them and you form connections. So much fun. Um, great venue. It's yeah, it's just fantastic. Lots of dancing involved. So, so who did you have come down? Cause we know family members got to come down to, to the Melbourne casino there where they hosted it. Yeah, so I talk about this a lot, actually. Um, when, when if 
if the subject comes up because I have a best friend. His name's Fred, and uh, he really is my best friend, Fred. And he has – I've known him since I was 21 or two or something, and he's my best friend. He's married. His wife's name is Karen, and I'm Karen. And in the beginning, he used to get in a lot of trouble making sure he was pronouncing both of our names correctly. <laughs> and um, the opportunity came up, and I was had broken up with Adam – so I called Karen and I said, hey, I've got this opportunity to bring someone with me um, and I really would like to, you know, bring Fred down with me. Is would Are you okay with that? He's going to stay with me. We're going to be in the same hotel room, but you know how much I love and respect you both. Would that be okay? And um, I, I, she's awesome. She said yes, of course. Uh, he's, he's my best friend. There's nothing there. It's always been a platonic, really true friendship. We speak every week still, even now. Um, so yeah, Karen's fantastic. She's a brilliant wife because not everyone would let their husband run off for a weekend in Melbourne at the Crown Casino. And we did everything. We went to the the cinemas, we went out dancing, we went out drinking, you name it, it all happened. It was just a really fantastic weekend. And so he got to meet everybody. He's a lovely cruisy guy and gets along with everyone anyway. It was just a really, really brilliant time. I'm just happy to know that there are people out there who actually are called Fred. I thought that was just one of those made-up names that you just said, like, oh, I've got a friend called Fred. That's no, I've never met anyone in my life called Fred, so they exist. I know. That's why I love it. And that's why he's always my best friend, Fred, and that's really his name. So you mentioned, you mentioned by the time that the finale came around that you had already broken up with Adam. So was that a bit awkward knowing that, well, he was, you know, there was that phone call on the show and the, and then all of a sudden, like, by the time the, the finale comes, you, you're no longer together? Because I guess people were probably asking questions and stuff like that. Um, I think I think just with, with any situation or any relationship when, you know, I've just said, you know, we're not together, so people just kind of leave it alone in, in that sense. Um, I know that... With even with your own experience, Survivor changes you. Yeah, I know for me, and I can only speak for me, that when I got back home from Survivor, there was, um, I changed a lot of my priorities. You know, I really, really discovered what I thought was really important to me. And it was different to what I was doing prior to going onto the show. And I think sometimes I don't know how much you guys talk about how, what people experience after the show, but I feel that's where the story is. Well, that's, you said that in the reunion. Eddie Maguire asked that question to everyone. was like, "Who out of all of you, has this changed your life? And he was kind of the one that he went to you and you were basically like, this has definitely changed my life. And I wanted to sort of find out, like, what did you mean by that? How did this change your life? So, you know, before I went in, there was um, there was achievements in my life, you know, was I was um, – I'd already been doing modeling and I'd done really, really well with that. And then I kind of transitioned into, I wanted to prove that I do have a brain. It is in there. Mm-hmm. And so I transitioned over and um, then it was like, well, I got nominated for, you know, best newcomer on air and radio. And then we had a number one radio show. And then I changed over um, into doing, I think I just started to do a little bit of TV by that point as well, which was so much fun. Uh, you know, we had, I had property and, you know, how many properties had I had, but, you know, at that point, and it was just, what was I achieving? What, I, what, what I was, you know, what I was doing and how, how I was being. And then by the time I got out of Survivor, it was more about, well, who do I love? And, 
making sure I'm doing what am I doing that I love in that sense. So the the big, I didn't. I think I only bought one or two more properties after that. Whereas by that point, from 22 to 29, I think I had four properties. 23 to 29 I had my four properties, and then there was just a lot of different different um, things that I thought were important. And then it just kind of came really simple. So much I kind of went a bit too much back that way at one point as well. I had to rebalance again. <laughs> I'm really I'm really glad you've brought this up because I had that same sort of not different with like you're saying about properties and all that, but you're right. As soon as I for me it was a little bit different as well because I wanted to play this game for you know, since your season. So like by the time I got on, it was like 18 years of me wanting to play this game. I got on I Yeah, it is, and it's a dream come true. A lot different to you where you just sort of came across it and stumbled into it. This is for yeah. me 18 years in the making. I get on, I don't do well at all. But for me, just hearing you talk, it, it I feel the same way. Like for me, it was like, well, hang on a sec. You start realising what really is important in life. And although I love this game of Survivor, I mean, I'm a bloody co-host of a podcast that covers Survivor. It's not everything now. For me, it's like, okay, great game. But there is, you realise there's so many other important things in life. And that's what I took away from the show. So to hear you sort of say that it did change your life afterwards, I can definitely relate to that. Yeah, awesome. And I'm I'm really pleased to hear that too. And only only you can relate to that as well because you've been you've been on it and you've been there and and I'm sure maybe Ben if you've been through some some other kind of I hate to use the word but a traumatic experience because then it just makes you sit down and reevaluate where you are, what you're doing. So sometimes that could be, you know, breakups or, you know, breakdowns or some deaths in people's families and things like that, but so I kind of kind of Matt, would you say put it into that category just because it makes you kind of sit down and and realize where you're at? Yep. Yep. We yeah. all have those moments that those I guess those yeah like to compare it to that those moments that we can pinpoint that was where we were at a certain mindset in our life and it's almost like a crossroads, isn't it? Where you're kind of you you're taking one way or the other and that moment really put you on the path you're on now. Say. Well, I knew when I got home as well, and with Adam, like I knew we were going, I didn't see us getting married. You know, like he was a fantastic, he is a fantastic guy and things like that, but I didn't see that. So I, I really kind of, oh, and I guess the other impact for me was because my dad had died when I was 19, I'd already have this appreciation that life is short. And then I'd come on to Survivor you know, being in the ocean scared the crap out of me so many times. So it was. So then, by the time I got back home from Survivor, and I really was like, "Life is short. If if I can't see this is happening with this guy, then we need to have a conversation. I don't think that's fair to either of us." And I really just wanted to prioritize the things that are important to me. And that could just be me, you know. Other contestants could just get off and go, "Oh my God, that was amazing. That was a stepping stone to my career." And analytically, just go down and you know, enrich their lives in an entirely different way. But that was just me, a bit of a softie. Well, you also got oh, a tattoo, of course, from it. Do you, <laughs> did you kept that tattoo still 18 oh, years later? Oh, my goodness. I still had the tattoo and I had been waiting for that tattoo for a really long time because back in the day when I was modelling, you weren't allowed to have a tattoo. You just weren't. They can't shoot around it. They're just, it's a pain in the ass. You're not allowed to get one and I've wanted one for ages. 
And yeah, I still have it. It's my little tramp stamp, which people just go, oh my God. <laughs> the era. You know where people's tattoos are placed on their body of what era it was when they got their tattoo done. And um, but I don't regret it at all because that tattoo is really symbolic. It it's um yeah, it represents the love and the faith. All the lessons that I learned from Survivor, it's love and faith and natural talent. So, you know, so love and faith in my family and what is my natural talent and what am I good at? Um, and it all comes together. It makes me whole. So, yeah, I got it. I still have it. Well, the other thing, too, that sort of came out around that time as well, and Eddie brought it up in the reunion, was, of course, the the Picture Magazine shoot. Now, you had mentioned that that is something that you had done years before. Do they have to, like, call you up and say, hey, we're going to publish these photos? Like, or do you go to them? Like, hey, do you want to, like, how does that work? And what was that whole experience like having those photos out there when you're all of a sudden on Survivor at the same time? Um. It, to me, it's not. A, it was never a big deal, and I know for the publishing rights, they don't have to tell me that they're going to do that. Right. Um, I knew it would happen, though. They're silly if they don't capitalize on something. Um, and my stance on that, because like I said, I had done that ages ago, like way before Survivor, and I'm. I really learned to become to become comfortable with the female form. Uh, and I don't care about seeing a naked woman somewhere, anywhere, or half naked or whatever, and I never have. And even now in my current day life, um, I'm a coach, fitness background, you know, managing lots and lots of gyms. I'm still coaching women to get them to understand I want them to have get their bodies to the best that their body shape can be. Because they'll come into me and go, oh, I want to look like you. And I'll go, well, I don't want you to look like me. I want you to look the best version of what your body shape can look like. So, so back then, half naked, fully naked, I don't care. It's my body and I can appreciate a female body. It's no different now in that sense. And if people judge me, which I know they will, that's okay. That's just their opinion and they're, they're allowed to have that. I love that answer and I loved your answer at the reunion too when um, you sort of said to Ed McGuire like, hey, usually people use their five minutes of fame to do this. I just did it beforehand because I'm different and, you know, I thought that worked out perfectly. <laughs> Thanks. Did you know? Did you know Eddie was actually going to bring that bring that question up? Like, had they told you that they were going to mention that on the, on the reunion? I I think we kind of had an inkling about it. Um, I I yeah. I don't can't remember if they actually said, "Hey, he's going to do this," but I knew at some point it would be for sure. I, I, I'm with Ben though. You you the answer you gave Eddie was was brilliant and uh, it was something that I definitely remember. What about during like while you're watching the show? Did like because there was so much hype around it with the um, Lay's chips where you'd put your hand in and it'd be a, like a picture of you know you, you, um, of all the contestants things like that. Did did you watch it with your family like um, during the season or what were your memories around that time of it actually airing on TV? <laughs> that was really cute. That was really cute. That I remember we all got a bit of a, a giggle. I remember we were like um, you know text each other or call each other as in Naomi Craig and Sylvan and I were going, "Have you seen yourself yet? You know, have you found yourself?" And we we're like, "No." Or like, "I want to find such and such." And we we're like on the hunt to try to find whoever we wanted to have. And um, that was really cool um, because I was in Darwin. My family's in Queensland, so. I really like Fred. He's my family. He was around. Um, so my best friends were around me at the time. And it's it's just cool to share that kind of fun stuff with them. You mentioned about how you 
got an opportunity to stay with Deb for a little bit and, you know, keep in touch with that. Have you kept in contact with them over the years? When was the last time you kind of spoke to, to some of these people? Well, Naomi, I literally um, got in touch with her just a couple of weeks ago. So probably not long after you did your interview with her, actually. Um, we were in touch for quite a number of years. It was quite a few years. And then I moved because I was in Sydney and then I moved to Queensland um, and then kind of lost touch. So it's really been maybe 10 years or so or maybe longer in that sense. Um, I remember Sylvan, we kind of lost track of him because he went traveling or doing whatever it was. Of course, he was the first guy off the radar. Um, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> he just stumbled but, uh, off. He didn't mean to, but it's just Sylvan yeah. apparently. <laughs> I know. And I knew, you know, and I, and I know with Craig, um, I have a really, you know, soft spot in my heart for Craig and for Naomi, for Naomi. And I knew that he was fine. I knew um, that, you know, he was, he'd uh, had a relationship and formed a connection with one of the um, producers, Prue, who was, absolutely amazing love her also yeah but um so just reconnecting back with naomi again that's been amazing she's such a good girl she always has been now, we absolutely love naomi on this podcast she's one of the the best contestants we've had on and uh yeah and it's, she's you know doing really well now and uh still loves the game of survivor even now she still watches yes. every episode with her kids and uh yeah, yeah so it's it's good like we like hearing these stories where we're finding that 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 because your season was so long ago, it was before social media. Um, everyone did eventually lose touch, but uh, we're finding that there's a lot of reconnecting going on, and uh, yes, and it's sort of it makes all this worth it doing this podcast. Yeah, it definitely does, and it's a credit to you guys as well. And I know you know your persistency in getting us all together. We're annoying. You can say it. Go on, say it. We're annoying. We're pains in the ass. God, you're only doing this to shut us up. You can say it. It's fine. <laughs> yes. Well, let's not let the truth get in the way of a good story. <laughs> be, be, on, be honest, oh, Karen. Have you ever have you ever had anyone nag you for as long as I have been nagging you to come on this show? You've made it our position. Don't tell me you didn't do that in radio where there was somebody you wanted to get and you were oh. constantly calling them and you were getting, okay, I'll do it. I, I, You and I work in the same industry. We know what it's like. Look, I can, Ben, I can hand, hands down tell you the amount of times that Matt has not given up on me. Um <laughs> It's been about triple the amount of time I've ever put into the amount of effort into getting someone to chat to me. That's why we've got him. <laughs> exactly. Done really well. But like I was saying, you know, um, I definitely full credit to you both because it is a nice thing to connect. And if it wasn't because of you guys, Naomi and I probably wouldn't have connected back again. You kind of like I always have uh, fond thoughts of her and Craig and everyone, but you kind of just, it doesn't kind of cross your mind. So that's been a really wonderful thing. And I know, when you've sent me the pictures and things like that, that's been really wonderful to see. I just didn't feel um, that I had anything to say. So that's why it took me so long. I beg to uh, differ, Karen. No. I be I've learnt the word recce because of you. Thank you for that. <laughs> no, but I, I understand, Karen, because not everyone has a different experience on the show. Some people, you know, they still love the show today. Some people put it in the past. Like, And being a, being a contestant myself, I fully understand that. But the, I mean, obviously on this podcast, we wanted to talk to every contestant. We could. That was you know, something we, we want to put this in the archives. So in the future, your season's not forgotten. And, of course, you were a big part of this season. You made Merge. You know, you, um, you, know, you were one of the original 16. But 
the fact that we didn't get to see a lot of your storyline on the show, that's why it was even more important to, to hopefully get you on this podcast because we wanted to hear about, you know, your adventure on the show and, and how, you know, the stories we're hearing now about how it led to you even getting on the show. I had no idea about that story. So, so it's definitely, you know, it, I'm glad that I've been pestering you for six months to get you on the show because this is one of, I'll say it right now, Ben, this is one of my favourite interviews. It's not even finished yet. You can it's stop one of sucking my up interviews. to a match. He's no. on the show. <laughs> no, ben, I'm serious. This is one of my favourite in- interviews today. Well, I know from, uh, thanks. Thanks, Matt. It's been worth it. Um, I know from, I guess, talking to my friends and I guess some of the guys, because I work in a health and fitness area now and I've got a lot of fit guys who run around with me and they they want to know a lot about it if it ever comes up. I don't ever usually bring the topic up. Usually someone else does that. And I was trying to explain to them how it feels because no one no one really kind of understands. I know for us because uh, – so the only other good thing that I did as well was I won the paper, scissors, rock thing or the coin toss, whatever it was – that where we could choose our location so we could choose to be closer to the water, we could be closer to the ocean. And I already knew the water is always number one. And I'm so, so, so grateful that we did that. So I was trying to explain to the boys about how I think it was only only 1K to go get the water and we had to carry those Hessian bags with us. But I think it was maybe 2Ks to where the ocean was or three, I can't remember, but it was further to get to the ocean. And I was explaining to the boys about how Day one, day two, week one, week two, walking to the water, go get the water, it's great. You don't feel any different. But I know for me, by the time I got to week three even, you start to feel tired in your legs. You get that that tired feeling that you've had a workout, you, that, that, that pins and needle-y kind of thing. And then climbing down that cliff, down the chain part, when you do get the opportunity to go down to go get some food or go fishing, you physically can feel it. You know consciously that your body's in a weaker state and that's that was something that they were really the guys were interested in a lot because they train and want to be nice and strong and buff and I'm like yeah well when you consciously can tell that you can't lift this or you can't do this anymore that's what it feels like all the time <laughs> so you, you you are now into into a lot of fitness and stuff so what happened after the show because obviously you left radio did anything come of you being on the show we we know that Katie and and uh, Craig were in magazines and uh, Joel did quite well after the show as well and, and of course Rob but what about you was did anything come of you actually being on this show I not like in that sense being in I know being in Darwin and being isolated from a lot of where the other um, guys were and access to the agents, there's no one can call me and go, oh, I can come and just come to the nightclub and open the nightclub or whatever. It's a, it's a big deal. So in, in Darwin and Northern Territory, great. I left to go to Sydney and I wanted to get involved with more television because for me I found that TV is so much easier than radio. Ben, you have no idea. <laughs> I just had a face. This is why they won't ben, put me yeah. on Survivor Ben's camera. got a face. Ben doesn't, I've got a face, got a face for, radio. for radio. That's why I do it, you know. <laughs> I just, and it, that was just where my passion went. So I went down to, um, went down to Sydney to do that. And I got some gigs and I was doing some things. But then my day job, and the goal was I wanted to earn a certain amount of money. And But then I ended up with a day job that was earning me exactly the same amount of money as being in TV and uh, consistent. So I learned, I got involved in sales and I learned about sales and education and things like that. 
and I did really well. And then that's what brought me, because ultimately I wanted to get to Sydney, do TV, base myself back out of Brisbane where my family is and just go along and do that. But I kind of changed into the sales kind of sides of things. I They headhunted me, brought me back to Queensland anyway. And so I was doing TV and radio for fun. So I still did um, some TV shows up here, um, healthy health and lifestyle shows because I started to become a PT. Um, and that was more so because by that stage, all my friends were like, oh, how can you look so good for your age or how can you do this? And I was bringing them to the gym with me anyway. So I figured I might get a piece of paper so I'm not actually going to hurt anybody. And then that has kind of developed more into the coaching side now. And then now I'm heading into my own YouTube and doing health and fitness and mental 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 health and wellness as well. So it's kind of gone that way around. And so ultimately it's TV, which is great and it's easy. Well, I was going to say, which is great to watch you on, on social media because, I mean, you're you're fun to follow on social media because you, you post some great inspirational stuff, but you post some funny shit, Karen. I'm laughing constantly yeah. at the stuff you're posting. So thank you for entertaining me a lot of the day. <laughs> you're welcome and thank you. Thanks for the feedback. It's always good. Obviously, being in, in the PT game with, with COVID, we, we're obviously still in COVID now with the uh, at the time of recording this, this interview. How has that affected you? I... Um, in a really great way, and I know it comes down to how you want to approach things. But by this point, I'm managing uh, gyms, and um, that was that was closed down. And I had already had had it in the back of my mind that I wanted to do these mental health and wellness things on YouTube or something like that down the track anyway. So this kind of just sped up that that process because when I spoke, had a chat with um, a lot of the owners here in Queensland of the gyms that I was working with, and I said to them about, hey, this is my idea. I think it'd be really good for people to have some support, and this is what I want to do. And whoever wants to get involved or be a part of it, you can just pass it on and send it off to people so they can see it. So, and then being in lockdown, um, I'm just I just wanted to make sure that people could deal with where they are at and understand that you're not the only person that's going through something if it's good or bad and I know for me I am a and I'm well if you've been watching my socials you can clearly see I'm a kind of happy person yes it's not difficult but even I went through ups and downs and you know it's up to you to kind of look at working around what you can do you know I I know all of my neighbors intimately now they, I know them all by name. I know all my streets by name because I go out walking. And every person I run into, I'm convincing them to come and train with me down at the park. I'm like, hey, come boxing with me. Yep, that'll be great. Hey, I'll come cycling. Let's go do that together or let's do this and that. I've ended up getting really fit, which is great. Um, but so it, it in that sense, it's helped me because now with the social media things but more so getting into the – uh, YouTube and mental health awareness and I want to put some courses together to help people, that's been a brilliant thing because now somebody will be, will, will be able to relate to something that I'm saying and if that makes some kind of tiny little difference, then I, um, that's what I'm here for. Fantastic attitude to have. I like that. I like that indeed. One thing I actually would love to know as well, and you don't have to share it with us if you don't want to because you might not want us to see it, but do you have any clips online of your TV hosting? Is this something that you uh, is readily available? Because we always like to see kind of, you know, these, these clips of, of our contestants and outsider survivor things they've done. Yeah, I 
Just well, there was the TV series I did with Fish Fish and Four Wheels. That was thirteen part TV series. Um, the other one was I don't know these days because I know the guys back Nine Media were the guys who were producing the local Gold Coast show. That was to do. I can't remember what the name of that was. That's pretty bad. Um, <laughs> if I remember it, I'll text it to you. Yeah. Um, that'd be about it because the rest is still up in Darwin. I know for a fact that if you go to Darwin and stay in a hotel, I'm still on their their travel information channel. Wow. Um, how how updated it, does Darwin go with their travel information channel? <laughs> Well, because mine, mine's in the hotels as part of the info um, channel right. about welcome to Darwin, um, sunscreen's really important, uh, making sure you're drinking water because people dehydrate all the time. So it's all that because someone sent me a text going, I just saw you in the hotel on the television. <laughs> Seriously, I'm like 21 or 22 in that. I'm just like, oh, my God. You're Darwin's <laughs> Carrie Bickmore because I remember whenever I used to go to Melbourne on the Sky Bus, I used to have that Welcome to Melbourne video and it was always bloody Carrie Bickmore. Then she was on Rove and then she's winning Gold Logie. So, like, you know, you are Darwin's yeah. Carrie Bickmore. Yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> Do you ever – how often do you get to go back up to Darwin now? Um, every couple of years. So after the after I left Darwin, there's a massive fishing com- fishing competition up there. It's called the Na- the Barren Nationals. It's huge, and guys come from all over Australia, all over the world. Actually, go up to Darwin, out to the Daly River. It's five or six days of fishing. They fish all day, and they basically party all night. And there's 250, well, I think there's 250, 270 competitors that come all over. It's just huge. And the the setup out at Daly River, um, the guys who who own own the farm are absolutely incredible. And every year the guys used to fly me back to host that show. It's just a little tradition that we have. Um, I, I think I was their first female host up there with the guy that does all the fishing because I was like, hey, have you thought about you know, I was just approached by the guys about co-hosts and what to do and I just said, have you ever had a female host out in the middle of nowhere with like 300 men because there's people in the background running the bars and all those kind of things. It could work really well. You'd have a, a male and a female. And, yeah, so we did that for eight years. So every year I'd go back and then I had a break and then I'd come, come back every now and again. And this year I was meant to go back for the 25th anniversary, but COVID cancelled that. So next year I'm looking forward to it because, you know, I brought in the Ironman competition so the guys know they're renowned. So I'm in charge of the fun stuff. You know, it's not just what the, what's happening on the river and doing, you know, snippets on who caught a fish or who lost it, how big they were because it's very serious as far as the fishing go and the prizes are huge. But I'm there to, you know, no talent nights, whatever I can think of at nighttime to keep them entertaining and it's so much fun. Just make sure they don't have their reunion in November next year, 2021, because that's the 20-year anniversary reunion for, of course, your season. Yes, that's right. I've, I've already put it in my diary when you got yeah. me, sent me a notification. I was like, well, that I can do. Yeah. Um, it gives me a year to make sure I'm looking amazing. <laughs> you don't you, you don't don't have much work to do there, Karen. You, yeah. You're already you're well on the way there. It's actually interesting too because we're sort of potentially in the process of maybe even arranging to close out this season, sort of a, a bit of a Zoom sort of mini reunion and all that. So Matt will probably pest you again in the coming weeks. But one thing it's actually it's it's so fascinating learning about all this stuff about Darwin. It's out of all the states and territories in Australia, Northern Territory is one I've never been to. So you, you're selling it well, just so I can go to a hotel so I can see this video. <laughs> so- 
I've got to tell the story quickly. So I, I travel a lot, Karen, around the world, and I was going to East Timor, and to get there from Brisbane, you've got to stop off at Darwin and Darwin to East Timor. And yeah. uh, stupid me, it was a night flight. I get into Darwin Airport. I have to wait like 10 hours. So I'm just sitting there. I'm sleeping on a chair. Blah. In my confused state of being tired, I, I already assumed I already had my my flight ticket for the next flight, didn't even think about it, end up missing my flight because by the time I realized, oh shit, I've still got to go and check in for my actual flight to East Timor, I go down there, it was closed. So I had to stay a night in Darwin. It's the only night I've ever actually been in Darwin. It worked out great. So I got to spend a night in Darwin. I end up, there was a local AFL, uh, an AFL game that they play about two games up there a year. Um, yeah, that they yeah it happened to be the night I was there so I went and watched that at the main uh, oval there and uh, got to see a lot around Darwin so it's funny how things work out otherwise I would never have got to spend a night in Darwin if it wasn't for my fuck up uh, <laughs> yeah. so in the end things work for a reason I got to spend a night in Darwin that's awesome yeah you did well. <laughs> yeah and good timing too absolutely yeah AFL games are very few and far between yeah really well supported though yeah. Before we let you go, Karen, the one question I always kind of like to to get a bit of an answer from 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 all people from your season is, we sort of touched on it before. Your season didn't get the greatest reception, and still to this day, it's sort of you know looked down upon by a lot of Australian Survivor fans. They don't like to even acknowledge its existence. We saw that, of course, in the recent All Star season. Your season wasn't even acknowledged and uh, considered for returning players. What do you think the legacy should be? Where should there be acknowledgement for for yourself, players that you were the first six. 16 players in Australian history to ever play Australian Survivor. I mean, where do you think that should be? Right. Well, with the All-Stars, they probably should have just come to all back to the original 16. Yep. That was <laughs> simple. Oh, look, we would have definitely loved to see a handful of years at least at the minimum go back. I mean, like we said, we, we've said mo- just about all years are still looking great. You're fit as probably some of you are even fitter now than you were 20 years ago. So, it's definitely not a case the fact that, oh, well, they're too old or they're not fit enough, like because that's not the case. So um, well, it, it, it is a shame. It's a massive shame that, you know, that a few years at least weren't on All-Stars. I feel more for the other guys, like maybe Naomi, for instance, who, like, lives, breathes, eats and sleeps it and is so passionate about it. I would be, you know, fantastic. Had I had the opportunity this, this time around, would I have gone back? I would have. I know that because, you know, I've got, you know, uh, more understanding about how we'd handle things and they would not send me to the freezing cold twice. It just <laughs> it just wouldn't happen. So, you know, shorts and singlets would just work again for sure. Yeah. But so, yeah, I really feel for the other guys who may have really wanted to have that kind of opportunity and, I you know, they deserve to have just as much acknowledgement as everybody else does. You know, they nearly killed themselves many times over and starved ourselves and everything else that comes amongst the game, let alone the mental anguish that some people do or don't go through. They they deserve it just as much as everybody else. So my last question is, um, have we broken Craig's record? Uh, not even close. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I'm okay with that. I was going to say, if you've got another 90 minutes, I mean, um, you know, we can we can pull some stuff out of our ass. It's not like we you don't well, have that capability. I've, Karen, I've done interviews that have gone for beyond five hours, so, like, this is fine by me, but, yeah. That is crazy, Ben. It's crazy. A question I always like to ask, Karen, uh, well, one I'll, I'll, I'll ask you first, you know, have you watched any of the, the Channel 10 seasons? Um, and, and what do you think of the game? If you have, what do you think of the game? And also memorabilia. I always love to find out what people kept from the show. 
Oh, yeah. So in answer to the first question, I've watched some little pieces of the show. I usually, I don't sit down and watch the whole show. Um, I know for me it's because you don't, when you, no one else knows what's really going on. So when I'm watching those challenges that they're going through, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm quite intuitive. I'm, I'm quite a sensitive kind of person. I remember what that feels like. And it's like, no, thanks. I really, I really don't want to go there in, in that perspective. Seeing how people play the game and manipulate and really uh, are there to win, that I can, I look at, but I know that I'm not really like that anyway. So even if I did go back, I'm not a manipulative person in that sense. I'd have to go a different way. I'm doing things. Um, I'm competitive, but not manipulative. Um, so that's pretty cool. And then if someone's around with me and we happen to be seeing the show, I can just go to them and that thing there where they're you know, holding their arms up, that's about four hours worth or whatever. Now, and they're like, holy crap. I'm like, yeah, see, you don't know. So there's that. And the memorabilia, so I've got my buff, of course, and I've got my little uh, piece of driftwood mm. that has um, the tribe name on it. Um, and I have my locket with me anyway, so I've still got that. That I was allowed to bring with me, have my dad in it. What, was that your luxury item? Yes. Yeah, so my luxury item was the locket with a photo of my dad. It's pretty so that's, cute. That's how long would have you had that for now? Nearly 30 years, I would say. Is that? Just almost, yeah. I was 19 wow. when he died. 47 now. That's, yeah, a long um, time. It's it's always I love hearing people who can hold on to things like that. I mean, I'm I'm only 33, but I don't think I've got something that I've maybe my teddy bear, but that's back in a box. Oh, I feel sad saying that out loud. He's in a box back in Hobart. Oh, poor Edward. But that's probably the that's probably the longest item I've got from my entire life. <laughs> I would have laughed, Ben. I would have laughed if your teddy was named Fred. No. <laughs> Well, now that you mention it, he might have to have a name change. I don't know. Yeah. Karen, it really has been so much fun having you on this show. I mean, all jokes aside about how much we pestered you to get you on the show and everything along those lines, it really has been worth getting you on because, as we alluded to, we felt we didn't get to know a whole lot of you out there watching the show. During our recaps, we would constantly say we, we don't really know what's going on with Karen. And I feel even some of your fellow tribe members have kind of gone, well, we don't really know where Karen was in the tribe and things like that. So... I think it's it's really been a, a great chance to, to learn more about you, learn more about your headspace in the game. It really has been a lot of fun. So uh, I, I generally would apologise for pestering you, but I'm not because it's been worth it in the end. Here we are two hours later and we've had a great chat. So really appreciate you joining us on the show and sharing all these memories. My pleasure. Thanks. Matt, you want to say something? I was just going to say, I've, I've actually had a lot of fun pestering you. And i I got to admit, I just was never sure if we were fully going to get you on the show. But it, it it's Ben's right. It's been all worth it. Karen, you, you, were, you were such a good interview. You know, we enjoyed watching you on the show. And, yeah, just a big thanks from both of us for coming on today. Thanks, guys. My pleasure. Have a wonderful day. Matt, there we go. Karen. And we, we say we saved the best for last. Great interview. And I'm so thrilled to be able to sit here and say that in our, our final interview of the players, at least, that we can now tick off an entire tribe of, and I don't mean this sound any disrespect at all to Tim, but 
players who are alive. Like obviously we interviewed Jenny, of course, but, and I'm sure if Tim was still with us, he would have done an interview. Of course he would have, but like we have basically a hundred percented a tribe. We can sort of say that with Tapara. We know the kind of gray area we've got with Joel, which may happen one day, but hey, here we go. We've ticked off baby shit yellow or baby shit green, whatever you, what was the color you came up with the other week, Matt? Oh, geez. Uh, uh, what was it? It's Chartreuse. <laughs> Chartreuse. Chartreuse. Thank you. Yeah, that's it. Great feeling, <laughs> though. Great there, interview. Look, I mentioned it at the start, Ben, that uh, she's the only contestant from season one I've actually met in person, and that was 18 years ago. So a little backstory about that. I was working at the Sherwood RSL. I've mentioned that a few times on our podcast about how I got some of the uh, the promo stuff, like the Tapara buff, and there was a poker machine that uh, was a survivor, the one that we had actually at the RSL in the pokey room. But um, so about a year or so after um, the season was aired, uh, Karen had moved back to Brisbane and was doing some promotional work. And there was a promotions company that was uh, doing some work at the RSL. And I was lucky enough um, to be working and, and I got to meet Karen. We had a conversation and I've always remembered that conversation. So to be here, what, 18 years later, to actually get to interview Karen, it was. Um, I'm glad that she, you know, finally came on the show. I did uh, put in a lot of work to get her on the show, but I think in the end uh, she was happy to to come on. And uh, yeah, look, she was very open with us. And you know, all that talk about you know the Northern Territory and Darwin. Uh, that's something that no other contestant could you know could tell us. So um, yeah, it was it was great to have her on. Well, from memory, Barry from season three is the only other Northern Territory Northern Territorian off the top of my head. There may be a third. I, I know I had that list going for a while there. I need to pull that up. But and then like I know I ramp on a little bit. And in all fairness, I haven't ramped on about it in a while about the No Tasmanian thing. Let's be honest, it's been a long time since I've mentioned it. But it it is something that I feel. I, I was always going to, I guess, connect with Karen in that aspect because Darwin and Hobart, I mean, I've never been to Darwin, but similar size, similar population. We're kind of at both opposite ends of the country. So everything she was talking about with the whole aspect of being cold and all that sort of stuff, it's exactly the opposite for me. I can't stand being hot. Like it's it's the complete opposite for me coming from Hobart. So yeah, it's, it's unique. And I think I always like to, to feel for these people who come from a Canberra or a, or a Darwin or a, a Townsville or, you know, something like that, you know, these sort of smaller cities where you do really have a different experience. I feel when you watch some of these people on a show such as Survivor. Ben, I, I know I'm going to stir you up a little bit here, Go but I it. think, uh, I need to bring this point up. The fact that Karen was obviously born in Brisbane and then moved to Northern Territory for work and lived there for about seven years. But you don't count Shane Gould as being Tasmanian, although Shane Gould actually lives down there. So tell me, Ben, how is that any different? Well, it is different because I think I've explained this before. One main reason is the fact that Shane Gould is a very prominent Australian athlete who spent her entire competitive career representing New South Wales and Queensland, I believe. She, he's one. He's giving me the wind-up signal. And I'm bringing <laughs> this up again because what? this is what people keep saying to me. They're like, it comes down to this. And no. No, like you don't, you don't understand you banana bending Queenslander. Like you just, you steal everyone. You're like the New Zealand or the Australia versus New Zealand. You just take anyone. Oh, they're a Queenslander. They're a Queenslander. Us Tasmanians know who is a Tasmanian and no one, no one has ever said that Shane Gould is a Tasmanian. That would be like if you all of a sudden started saying Ricky Ponning is a Tasmanian, uh, Queenslander, we'd be like, get fucked. He's ours. Right. You don't touch him. Right, we and we, we don't want your rejects, New South Wales. I love Shane Gould, but just because she lives in Bishano, she's not a Tasmanian. 
it's just like winding up the doll, Ben. Get yeah, you every yeah, yeah. time. You lasted two days in Survivor. You suck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I actually, it was, there was something you said in that interview. I can't remember what it was, but I was literally going to interject with the end. He sucked too, but I, yeah, I, <laughs> I held myself firm. Uh, oh. But in all seriousness, that really is a great chat and we've concluded our player interviews now for season one we've ticked off everyone that we we can obviously and we've mentioned it a few times i mentioned a second ago joel is clearly the only one and as we've mentioned several times that bridge presents itself one day we will obviously cross it and see how the situation goes and everything because we we understand that's a very di- different circumstance when it comes to someone like in that situation about uh, how we would handle that interview. We've always faced this show in covering this show based on the show has never had anything to do with who they are outside of the game. So we will see how that presents itself. We know that he's due for release uh, next year. So uh, we, we will see how that plays out. So that is the only, I guess, extra element to this season that may present itself in the future. But we've teased it a couple of times. There is this, and again, we still don't know. We will say right now in terms of the time of recording this, we don't know what is planned when it comes to a potential sort of reunion, Zoom, Skype, whatever it will be, to to draw this season to a close. So we're still discussing this, we're still working this out. Even if we get three or four on at the same time, it's going to be something fun because we know we've got the 20-year reunion plan in 2021. Obviously, when that happens, we will have content from that. We'll have episodes and videos and things like that. That's a long way down the track. We're looking right now at the present and whether or not this happens, I'm, I'm excited for the prospect of it, Matt, because while we're closing off the player interviews, we've still got a couple of interviews to close out this season, but in terms of that potential for a reunion, it could be a bit of fun. I, I want Craig and David on the line together. I want this to happen right in 2020 because it will be fun based on what they've said in their interviews. As much as we're excited to get on to season two, the celebrity season, uh, you're right. I think we need to drag this out as long as possible. Like I've had so much fun, Ben, doing all these interviews, recaps, and uh, if look, it would be such a shame if we're not getting some sort of Zoom reunion with uh, Craig uh, Abbott and David Haas. We can finally just put it to them, like, what was it about those two that they didn't get along? But, uh, look, honestly, I think we've still got a lot of good content content to come in this season, and, Ben, it's, it, I'm excited. I thought you were about to say Shontent there. I'm like, we're still a few seasons <laughs> away from that, aren't we? You know? Like... <laughs> What's going on there? Uh, in all seriousness, though, um, it has been a lot of fun bringing these contestants in. But I don't know why I keep saying in all seriousness. Do people think I'm joking when I say, oh, great contestant interviews. Ben's only joking. That's just classic Ben Waterworth. I don't know. <laughs> but we still have a couple of interviews to come your way. We obviously have our Stephen Peters interview just around the corner. And our next episode, which is odd because, A, we didn't talk about this in pre-production, B, we don't know technically how that episode's going to play out. C, I'm going to say this right now. We have a potential behind-the-scenes interview for you in our next episode. Matt, you're more in the know than I am because you're the one, you're the bloodhound, you're the one in contact with these people. Again, we don't 100% know what exactly will be on that episode, but as of this very second in our lives, this will change by the time this episode comes out next week when people are hearing this. What is the plan, Stan? Who is going to be on this episode and what will it be featuring? So we wanted to do a little bit of the behind-the-scenes stuff. We wanted to cover off on that because we're, we're, we're here. We're, 
this is an archives podcast and we, and we want to put this in the vault so anyone down the track can listen to it and actually get an understanding of what the season was about. So through discussion, we're like, well, let's get some sort of prominent behind-the-scenes people that can actually, you know, explain what was going on down in Whaler's Way. So uh, I've got in contact with Sean McBride. Now, you've probably heard a few of our contestants mention Sean. Uh, he was basically the ex Green Beret commando sort of uh, person who came and did a bit of a tutorial with them about, you know, what they can eat, you know, how to survive down in Whaler's Way. He also um, had, uh, along with another person, he was putting together these ideas for some of the challenges. So I've been in contact with Sean. He's happy to come on the show. So it would be great to hear all about, uh, you know, what his mindset was to putting some of these challenges together and actually in particular. how hard it was. Yeah. <laughs> but how hard it was even to survive down in Wales. Well, yes, Ben, you're going to want to talk oh, to him can, about that. I can press him. Like, is it a budgetary oh. thing? Why did you get people to measure water in a cup, you moron? There you go. First question. <laughs> so we're, we're going to hopefully put that together in one episode with uh, one of the senior cameramen. Well, he, he's still involved in the show today, Matt Bronger. Now, You've heard us talk about uh, the the whale shot that um, was in the challenge where Jane won that reward challenge. Uh, Matt Bronger was actually the cameraman that was underwater getting that fantastic shot of of the whale. Now, he's one of the long-term sort of go-to guys. He's a senior cameraman now, still involved in shows like Big Brother, Survivor. So we plan to get him on as well, and I think that would be a really good way to sort of um, – you know, sort of wrap things up towards the end of the season to get their point of view of what the show was in 2001 when they filmed it. The one thing that I'll be very fascinated to hear from from Matt is you mentioned he's still involved in Survivor today. We know he was involved in Survivor in season one. Was he involved in season two? We're yet to meet or be aware of a person involved in all three. And I'm sure there has had to be. I'm sure there cannot be at least one person who in some form, and I'm not just talking about Charlie Parsons signing a contract. I, I'm talking about somebody involved in production who was there on each three shoots, even if they were just on one Channel 10 season. I, I, I want to find out that it could be Matt Bronger. We don't know. And I'm going into these completely blind because, again, to ruin the illusion of podcasting, we obviously pre-record these several weeks in advance sometimes. This has been the case with this one, and we don't 100% know how that interview or that episode will turn out because we haven't done it, unlike the Stephen Peters one that we recorded months and months ago. So it is going to be very interesting. I'm very, very fascinated, particularly as someone who, as I keep teasing and nothing's come from it, but it is happening, folks, is planning on writing this book on Australian survivor history. It's going to give me some great content to uh, to add to that. That book so very excited for that i'm a i'm a keen bean when it comes to learning about behind the scenes things with these aspects of stuff and yeah i'm looking forward to it so good on you matt you you bloody pest organizing these people <laughs> mate that's why you've got me you couldn't do this show with anyone else mate like who else is going to be this committed to tracking down and pestering these uh these ex-contestants I... and people involved in the show. I don't know if I've ever said this to you, Matt, but I, I never thought I could meet someone who was more annoying than me in reaching out to people. I, I will put you in contact with a bunch of US contestants who probably use my name as a curse word because I would pester them so bloody much. I mean, Poverty and Aussie only did my show to shut me up, I swear. So it's kind of the fact that you are more annoying than I am. Like you suck at Survivor, but you're great at pestering people. 
I'm glad you respect my annoying annoying game uh, gameplay. But uh, look, yeah, look, I think you have to be. We're we're both committed, Ben. We're both committed to this. We want to make this podcast the best it can be. And sometimes you've got to be a little annoying. I, I swear that when I get on the show one day, that my goal is to last three days, so I can at least. <laughs> You know, I don't I, like. I'll be your first boot too. Like, I want to join the club. I don't want to, but like, I probably will join the club. But let's be honest. I hope I'm at least on a bloody season. I'll be on a season where I last one day. I'll be like a wander. Yeah. Like, you know, I'll be freaking yeah. singing on the way out. Uh, she actually lasted three days, by the way, Ben. Oh uh, wow, uh, you lasted yeah. less time uh, than wander. Like ben, just like Karen, she made history to be the first player to ever make merge, but not jury. Ben, I was the first player in history that only ever lasts two days. I'm so, going to look um, this up. I feel like Lebanese Survivor would have had a twist where you get like, you know, I don't know. I feel like there's got to be an international version where somebody lasted <laughs> only one day. Well, there was a, and there was that French guy who died before the season even started, wasn't there? Well, yeah. There I, you go. I you... got voted out. Yeah. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. I was made history to be the first person voted out in two days. I never forget. Well, I think it was, I say I never forget and I forget which comedian it was funny uh i think it might have been dave hughes where he basically brought that up in a stand-up and he's like what the hell was this deal about them trying to cancel survivor because one of them died isn't the show called survivor basically that guy lost (laughs) oh shit yeah too soon sorry to all our french survivor fans listening out there uh big thanks again to karen and to everybody listening as always we really appreciate you tuning in we love the interaction we get from you guys the comments everything else we enjoy bringing you the content we're sad that we're getting very close to the end of season one but we've still got plenty of stuff to come this season and some exciting things around the corner if you do like what we produce social media instagram twitter facebook hit us up subscribe and all the good and bad podcast channels there's some shit ones out there i'm sure uh apple podcast is not one of the shit ones it's a good one the best one let's be honest google podcast spotify stitcher you name it we're there remember the social media likes i say it every single episode the more and more we get the more we'll see matt's well the better chance we'll see matt's edition tape finally i'm still hoping that maybe this will be like a premiere on the zoom call at the end of this season like bugger it everyone here's me me tape that's a really bad impersonation of Matt Dyson. Sounds nothing like him. I'm Junior Sergeant Matt Dyson, speeding bloody bastard. There you go. Sounds like a Queenslander. Uh, so get those likes and things up and uh, we will share all that. So I'm pumped. I'm excited. Bring on the remaining few episodes of this season and just just get involved, everyone. My name is Ben and I'm going to go have a, a, a recce. Or, I've forgotten what she said already. What was it called, Matt? Was it a recce? Uh- it was a recce. It was a recce. Was a recce. I'm going to have a recce. I'm going to find Sylvan and have a recce. And my name's been Matt Dyson, and I still reckon Shane Gould's Tasmanian. <laughs>